Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, St. Louis. It's character and Smallman. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carriker is out again today, but we have Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic, our blues insider, who's going to hang out with us all morning long. Good morning, JR. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Are we feeling better today than we were yesterday, both of us with a quick turnaround from Halloween and a trip? I think today we might be feeling a little bit more chipper. I think so. <laughs> I think that uh, that Halloween night with the kids, that'll take it out of you. Like, I'm, I can put up with some weekends. I can put up with the youth sports, you know, work and covering the blues, things like that. But I think that Halloween gets you. And you have a, a candy high, you know, you right. get the sugar spike and then you have to come down <laughs> and turn around early in the morning. It's, it's rough, but we're glad to be back. There's a lot going on today. The NFL trade deadline is today. It closes at 3 p.m. Central. We're going to talk about that throughout the show. Plus a big move yesterday, the Rams acquiring Von Miller from the Broncos. We're going to get into that. Of course, you have World Series game six tonight. The Braves leading that series three to two. We're going to talk about that a little bit. The Braves with their chance to close things out in Houston. We want to talk about the Blues. Clearly, Jeremy Rutherford is our Blues insider. He is a Blues expert. But when you look at this Blues team, off to an unbelievable start. 6-1-0. We want to know how you're feeling about this team. Do you think this is real? Or do you think this is a little bit of fool's gold? Do you think that the start that we've seen from the St. Louis Blues is something that's going to be sustainable throughout the season? We want to hear from you. Send us a text on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Or, of course, you can leave us a mic drop on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. It's on the 101 ESPN app. All you need to do is download it, and then you can send us your voice telling us what you feel about the Blues. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But let's start things off. JR with what we saw last night in Monday Night Football. The Kansas City Chiefs, they end up winning this game versus the New York Giants. Barely. Barely. 20-17. to 17. Chris Jones at the end gets pressure on Daniel Jones. He he forces a, a sack and then he caused Daniel Jones to scramble and fumble to end the game. But I think the storyline for me is that here you have a Kansas City Chiefs team who two years ago won the Super Bowl. Last year they're in the Super Bowl. And they're four and four, and they can barely beat the New York Giants. And I know it's hard to keep a team who's had a lot of success together. I know it's hard to have consistent success in the NFL. But I'm watching this game last night, and the Giants are in it the entire time. You never thought that the Chiefs were really going to run away with this, and they just look like a disaster uh, comparatively to what they should be and what they have been. Yeah, I hate to say this because I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans in the area. A lot of people adopted them when the Rams left. But this is who they are. Like you, you, the first couple. 
couple weeks of the season, what is it, opening week, they had to uh, come back from a deficit against the Browns, win a big game. Uh, and that may be, to this point, Michelle, their best game. But uh, you look after eight games, four and four, this is who they are. And we know that this isn't who Patrick Mahomes is. He's better than this. But when your leader is playing like this, last night he threw an interception. That's the seventh straight game Patrick Mahomes has thrown an interception. You almost get to the point, does he need to give some of that $500 billion contract <laughs> back? Does he need to give part of that ownership of the Royals back? Uh, no, he's not playing well. The team's not playing well. Uh, he's better than this, and he needs to make the Chiefs better than this. $503 million is the contract. He's only 26, and that contract carries him until he's 36 years old. That's the next time he'll be a free agent. So they're stuck with him for, <laughs> for quite some time. And the offense for the Chiefs, they, they struggled to move the ball really throughout the night. They averaged just 4.8 yards per play. Patrick Mahomes did get the team in a good position towards the end of the game. He led the team down the field for a field goal to, to take a three-point lead. And Patrick Mahomes talked after the game about how the Chiefs were able to overcome a rough start. Yeah, I mean, but we're going to keep battling. I mean, even even the Titans game week before, I mean, we're going to battle to the very end. I promise you that. Um, you're hoping that a turnover luck kind of flips the other way, but that comes with us trying to execute at a higher level. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had the, the ball that bounced up in the air and picked off. And then Travis, who doesn't fumble, he, he, fumbled, he fumbled. So, um, I, I, like I said to Trav and all these guys, I'm going to keep coming right back to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to you, let you let you make a play. Cause I have that trust in you. Um, and I think as the season goes on, hopefully we can correct the turnovers, and I think we can still be a special offense. And, Michelle, he's right. This team does battle. But let me ask you this. Even when they were great a couple years ago Mm -hmm. going to Super Bowls, uh, they were behind in a lot of games. They set a lot of records for coming back from double digits and and rallying. And maybe that becomes part of your mindset. Hey, we're going to be fine no matter what. And you look last night, Patrick Mahomes, 8 of 8, 8 of his first 8 passes, but then 8 of 23 the rest of the way. I know you said he set up the the field goal, but perhaps this team is always going to be looking for Patrick Mahomes to rally him in the second half when they're behind. I know know that's a blanket statement. That's not going to happen every week. But this team, to me, it looks like not the team of old, but when you set the mindset that we're going to be fine no matter what. We've seen that with other teams. Mm -hmm. And I I know that the Chiefs defense has not been great last season, this season, and the offense has been able to patch a lot of those holes up because of Patrick Mahomes and his ability to, to improvise and frankly just make magic happen a lot of times, like you said, come from behind. But I think that's why it's so concerning to Chiefs fans or a lot of people who observe the NFL that after eight games, it doesn't look like the offense is self-regulating at all. It doesn't look like the offense is giving you any reason to have confidence in them to this point this season. And Andy Reid, Chiefs head coach, talked about this after the game. What's going on with the Chiefs' confidence? We might not have confidence in this team, but what do they feel? Yeah, so listen, I mean, everything's not beautiful right now, uh, but we're fighting through that. Uh, that happens in, in this game. There's great competition in this league, which I think, you know, you saw those games yesterday and, and teams that were supposed to win by X number of points get beaten. And that's, there's so much parity in this league. So you, you got to fight. Uh, that's the part I'm taking out of this game. Our guys battled. They didn't give up on each other. They kept um, kept working through what could have been a time when, you just throw your hands up and go, oh, my God. I mean, things aren't working the way they're supposed to work. You know, guys didn't do that. So we'll build on that. 
I mean, let's keep going. I mean, they, they don't give these things away, and I think that's important for everybody to understand that that other team is, you know, they're coming after you, and you're going to get their best shot, and, and I thought I thought they did a heck of a job with it. You're going to get their best shot, JR, but this is a, a Giants team that dropped to two and six. If you're looking at the talent on the, on the Chiefs roster, this should not be a game that's that difficult for them to win. Yeah, and 19 turnovers. You talked about the offense earlier. You know, you're going to have some turnovers when you play that style, when Mahomes is going to freelance a little bit, but usually he can connect on those. You know, I touched on the interceptions earlier, seven straight games with an interception. He's got he's got a NFL high 10 interceptions now. And Michelle, it doesn't get any easier for the Chiefs. The last mm. nine games of the season, they're playing teams 500 or better. So let's look at their, their remaining schedule. They play Green Bay, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Broncos, who all of a sudden doesn't, aren't as tough now that Von, <laughs> Vil, Von Miller's not there. The Raiders again, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Bengals, and they close it out with the Broncos. Yeah. So there's a lot of tough teams, especially this next three-game stretch for them. It's going to be pretty brutal, which is why it was really important for them to win that game last night, knowing that you have the Packers, the Raiders, and the Cowboys three weeks in a row on deck. But it is hard to consistently win in the NFL. It really is. And it really doesn't matter if Patrick Mahomes is your is your quarterback. If you can't get everything clicking, if the defense isn't right, if the, the scheme isn't working, if he's not on, on top of his game, there's all sorts of factors that go into a team being great. And Andy Reid talked about this last night, how it's hard to maintain that success. Uh, that happens in this game. Uh, there's, great, there's great competition in this league, which I think you got to fight. Uh, that's the part I'm taking out of this game. Our guys battle. They didn't give up on each other, so we'll build on that. I mean, let's keep going. I mean, they they don't give these things away, and I think that's important uh, for everybody to understand. That was the same bite, but I think Andy Reid Reid really did want to hit home that it's hard to win these games in the NFL. Yeah, and I think that these types of games can help you build as ugly as they look and they're 20 to 17 and you need to field goal and Mahomes doesn't play great. You know, perhaps in three weeks they do get on track and you look back at those games and they're telling each other, hey, we stuck with it, yeah. but it's it just not good looking football. And as you look at the rest of that schedule, you know, we touched on their uh, 500 or better, the rest of the nine opponents, but, you know, can you count? How many wins can you count in that group, Michelle? Let's I mean, it, it's hard every week. It is. And, and that's the case for every team in the league. But the Kansas City Chiefs, you wouldn't think, looking at that schedule, would be searching for a few wins. Do you think they'll beat the Packers? That's a tough one. I I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Do you think they'll beat the Raiders? Possibly. I don't think they beat yeah. the Raiders. Do you think they beat the Cowboys? No. I don't think they beat the Cowboys. Do you think they beat the Broncos? Not with uh, with Von Miller gone now. Uh, perhaps that's a could that's, be a win. Th- that's yeah. a winnable game for them. Raiders, no. I don't think they beat the Chargers, do you? No. Um, Steelers, they could win that game. The Bengals aren't an easy out. That could be a tough game, but I could see them winning it and closing out versus Denver. So one, two, three, maybe four wins right. remaining I was say, on you're your schedule. At maybe three or four. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be tough sledding for the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward, but they did get the victory last night over the New York Giants 20 to 17. That's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to talk about this Blues team. Is this 6-1-0 start for the Blues real, or is it fool's gold? We're going to break it down with Jeremy Rutherford, and we want to hear from you. Give us your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, and leave us a mic drop on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. That's coming up next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
of the play to keep it in. Tarasenko to Perron. He scores! Another one-timer by David Perron. And if you've got a hat, chuck it in your radio. That's Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, here on 101 ESPN with the call of David Perron getting a hat trick earlier this season. Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman here with you. And, Jared, this Blues team off to an unbelievable start, 6-1-0. And we want to hear from people today. Do you think this Blues team is for real? Great start. A lot of guys contributing. But is this fool's gold? Is this something you think the Blues can maintain? Send us a mic drop on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app, or you can send us a text on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 that are all rolling in. But, JR, I want to give it to you first. What do you think? Is this Blues team for real? Yeah, I don't think it's uh, fool's gold, um, but I would reserve judgment just a little while longer. And and the reason I say that is this. Um, You look at both lineups in the games that they've played. You look at the opponent and you look at the St. Louis Blues, and they haven't been full lineups. You look Mm -hmm. at uh, Colorado early on, uh, was without the two big guys. Uh, You look at L.A. when they played L.A. here recently, no Drew Doughty. But you look at the St. Louis Blues, no Brandon Saad. And no Pavel Buchnevich for the two games he was suspended. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's missed the last couple games. So none of these teams, including the Blues, have been 100%. So, you know, I would say that it's not fool's gold. I think that they've played well, especially the first five games of the season. Mm -hmm. I think the depth has shown. I think that the defense is better than we've expected. I think that Jordan Bennington has been the Jordan Bennington that we remember. And I had his uh, save percentage here, 926. I mean, here's a guy who, when he hasn't played well in the regular season, he's been around that 910, 911 mark. I mean, if he can be a 926, even a 920 mm-hmm. for this season, you'll take that. And, and I think that uh, some of the goals that he's given up have been in that third period. That's where a majority of the Blues goals against have come in that third period when they had the large leads remember early on in the season so to me uh, I think it's for real but I would like to see three four more weeks where both teams have their full complement lineups and 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 the Blues are playing well yeah that's true because you look right now at some of the teams that the Blues have beaten and that's going to be a check in the confidence column when you think they well they've beaten Colorado and they've beaten Vegas but you're right they haven't beaten Colorado with McKinnon and Landis right so that's going to be certainly a litmus test for this team but I look at their schedule, and based on what we've seen of this team, I'm not afraid of any team. And that's why I think I'm confident in this Blues team. They have incredible depth. They're getting contributions from everyone on the team. It seems like they have really great chemistry. The fact that Vladimir Tarasenko has come out and started playing like vintage Vladdy is such a huge boost of confidence for fans because you didn't know what he was going to be. He was such a question mark heading into this season. I think about... The fact that you've seen a lot of young guys start to show you something. Jordan Cairo, if Jordan Cairo can continue to play at this level, what's he going to look like as he continues to get seasoning throughout the year? So I think as of right now, I'm really confident in, the, in this Blues team. And I they have been missing Buchnevich and Saad and now Ryan O'Reilly, Vili, who sews out. And they've still been finding ways to win games. They've won games in a variety of ways. So I don't think it's fool's gold. I think this team is for real. Yeah, I don't think, like you said, I don't think you go into any of these games saying, hey, the Blues are going to get beat by this team. Um, They have a West Coast trip coming up. They're going to see a San Jose team that's playing better, but still that's not a team where you say, you know, the Blues will get run by them. Uh, 
I look at that depth, and that's the thing that we need to focus on is you look at the skaters. Nico Mikola, the only skater on the team who doesn't have a point. Everybody else on the entire roster has a point. And, and so I think that when you bring that to the table every single night, you give yourself a chance to win. Now, the one thing, uh, Michelle, I'll bring up, Ken Hitchcock used to say, and a lot of people around hockey say it, is that 20 games is usually the marker where you can kind of tell what you have. So what are they, 6-1? and one, They're 7 games into it. And that's what I said. About 3, 4 more weeks, uh, you know, you'll be able to get a better, better handle on who these guys are. But guess what else happens in those next few weeks? You're going to get an Oscar Sundquist back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that's even more depth. So the biggest thing right now to me is the signs. And you just touched on a couple of them. The signs are Jordan Cairo is that guy. Robert Thomas is playing better. That third line that they have with Barbashev, Thomas, Tarasenko is, is playing well. I hope to write about that soon. To me, Barbashev, one of the more underrated players in the league, certainly here on this Blues roster. So uh, it, all the signs are pointing in the right direction, I think, through these first seven games. Yeah, this is a pretty good looking car. Imagine how great it'll be when they get their engine back. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's get to some text on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 from the 314. I can see the Blues being an elite team the first half of the season. My fear is that they crap the bed after the Olympic break. Well, that's going to be tough for everybody. Olympic years are always tough when they shut things down for for a couple weeks. Um, you know, you have situations where, you know, you go into it and a lot of those guys head off to the Olympics. And I think the Blues are going to have a number of players, Michelle, who could be involved in that three or four uh, for sure. Maybe as many as five, six, seven, if you throw in the Barbashevs and, and those types of guys. Um, so that's going to be tough, you know, going to Beijing and coming back. And then, you know, for the guys who don't practice for a couple weeks, at least with the team, you come back and you run the risk of, of injury. So, you you know, you can never just look at the Olympic schedule with that built in and, and say, hey, everything's going to be fine because it's not. It's difficult. And that's what makes this a grind. And that's why the league over the years has not wanted to shut down for the Olympics. Right. You know, it's in part, yeah, because maybe they don't get as much money as they think they should. But it's a huge interruption. Do you think that it might be easier for guys to acclimate to the bounce back from the Olympics because the past two seasons have been riddled with irregularities? It, it's almost like athletes now because we've been in a pandemic and dealing with COVID and all the disruptions and the travel and everything being so different. It's almost like you've become accustomed to things not being smooth. Yeah, if you can deal with what they've gone through the past <laughs> two years, you can you can deal with anything. If you can deal with being on the road and, and you cannot leave your hotel yeah. room, then you can deal with anything. But yeah, there is a different sense of fatigue. I remember when uh, those uh, players came back, I think it was, was it 2014, they came back from Sochi and we were waiting at the airport for the Blues because when they came back they had to land in St. Louis basically change their shirt and head to Vancouver oh for a gosh. game I remember that and I just remember looking in the eyes of Alex Petrangelo and Jay Bomeister and they were just fried and 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 so that's what I'm talking about you know I'm not just saying that it's tough to fly to another country and come back and, and pick up the NHL schedule I've actually looked in the eyes of these players when they come back from these trips and you know it's tough to get going again yikes from the 6-6-0 I think this start for the Blues is legit I think this team is for real granted they have a couple of their best players out due to the COVID stuff but like chief has preached ever since he got here it's next man up and so far this team team has done that and the record proves that yeah they're really doing that and, and we kind of knew that they would be able to sustain some of that just because of that depth up front look uh, we've touched on it before but with 
Doug Armstrong and his philosophy to have as many good to great players as possible, maybe not superstars, you know, that's what I think leads to this. I mean, when you can go into a game and, and maybe Perron and that line doesn't get going, but it's that third line with Tarasenko and Thomas that gets the goal. Or maybe it's not the five on five, it's the power play because you look at that power play and, it, you know, there's so much wealth on it. Uh, Tory Krug puts the, the game winner in the other night against Chicago. That's one thing in all this that, that we talked about, I didn't even bring up is the special. Special teams, the special teams being number two on the power play, being number two in the penalty kill. You know, if the Blues are going to be real and this isn't fool's gold, that number may drop. But you can't have the 25th ranked special teams in the league like mm-hmm. we've seen from the Blues in the past couple of years. So even if they're in the top 10 at the end of the season, the power play and the penalty kill, you know, I think that'll prove that this isn't the fool's gold. Yeah, which has been much improved. From the 5-7-3, no, this is not sustainable. The Blues are on pace for 69 wins. Not going to happen. Well, yeah, they're not going to go <laughs> go at this, uh, what was the points percentage I came up with here a second ago? 857. Like, yeah, that's no just way. not possible. No I mean, you look at... Uh, you know, a good points percentage, 650, 700. I mean, they're not going to win, uh, you know, eight, nine of every 10 game segment throughout the season. So if you want to judge sustainability based on that, then, <laughs> then probably not. But I think the most of the majority of us are looking at a situation where, you know, just a, a clip or two below this, but able to play as well as they have. Yeah, I think I think I'm looking at it as is this an elite team that can beat anybody and that can compete for a Stanley Cup championship? Exactly. Not are they going to continue winning at this rate <laughs> because that's just not going to happen. That is unsustainable. But heading into this season, JR, when you looked at a lot of national viewpoints on the Blues, a lot of people didn't give them a lot of credit. We, we did a segment where we went through and we looked at every national outlet and I think maybe one person had the Blues winning the division. No one really expected them to be better than Colorado or or be this version of the Blues, at least to start. Yeah, and, you know, I hate to... You know, throw up the brakes, but it is seven games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that uh, the people who said that would look at us and say, can you let them play a month or two into the season and then we'll <laughs> see uh, where they're at? They're definitely going to have to withstand some things with maybe maybe it's more covid cases. Maybe it's injuries. Maybe it's 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 anything. And then all teams are going to go through ruts, too. Uh, but, yeah, no, I was one of those that I think you and Randy asked me, hey, where do you think they fit in the equation here in terms of the Central Division Western Conference? And I said, well, you know, if a lot of things go right, they could probably be in the conversation third fourth in the division Uh, you know now after seven games you probably feel better about them being you know in the mix for first second third you know I think that possibility is there because you've seen uh, a Brandon Saad pre-COVID come in and, and fit with this team you know Pavel Buchnevich hasn't been visible and 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 making an imprint each game but I think you know he's probably going to get there look he's only played the five games because he had the two game suspension to me uh when you look at these questions that we're asking ourselves here you look at where were the where were the holes where were the areas that we were concerned about and those are the areas that I think the Blues are showing positive signs. Robert Thomas, is he going to take that next step? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then and then the defense. And we talked about it yesterday, Michelle, but I think the defense was probably the biggest question mark. To me, Justin Falk looks like an all-star. Tory Krug looks like he's settling in. Colton Pareko's playing 27, 28 minutes. So to me, wherever you had areas of concern, those look pretty good. And you figure the rest of those things will just uh, you know figure themselves out. 
having a colon or excuse me, a healthy colon perico is such a game changer, obviously. And Justin Falk and Tori Krug, both in their first seasons in St. Louis, didn't exactly have uh, the season in totality that I think were probably expected of them from fans and, and probably the organization. But Justin Falk got a different role when he first got here than he was accustomed to having. And when Alex Petrangelo was out, he got more consistency. Tori Krug seems to be being used in a role that's more suitable to him. And I think that's one thing that does give me confidence about this team and this defense is it seems like the personnel is playing in ways that amplifies their strengths. Yeah, and and we all, you know, rightly so, made a huge deal that, that Justin Falk just wasn't put in the right role to succeed. I remember asking him when I wrote that story about that first year, and I said, did you know what role you're going to play did you guys talk about the role and he said no nah, i just figured you know however <laughs> you know things worked out it it would figure itself out and it didn't that first year it did not work so so tory krug comes over and we can make the argument that he wasn't in the right role either look mm-hmm. he played second pair in boston behind chara and had a lot of success and a lot of his stuff came on the power play he comes here He's playing in a first pair role. He's playing 22 minutes a night. And I I know that maybe he didn't pass the eye test on a lot of nights, but if you look at the numbers, he was plus 10, 5-1-5, even strength goals for and against. But this year, because of what you mentioned, Colton Pareko healthy. He's eating up those minutes. He's playing up there with Scandell on that top pair. You know, Tori Krug is now in a better place to succeed. And, and and also, you know, you can talk about this too. He just looks more comfortable. That second year being in town, knowing the guys better, being able to go out on the road, those types of things. So to me, the defense is shaping up pretty good. That's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Michelle Smallman. We're going to talk about this again later in the show. So we want to hear from you. Send us a text 65780 or a mic drop on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. But coming up next, a major move in the NFL and it's NFL NFL trade deadline day. We're going to talk about that next. Some NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We felt like it was a really good thing for our team. I know a lot of players are excited about being able to add Vaughn to the mix and can't wait to get him here and get going. That's Rams head coach Sean McVay talking about the big news in the NFL yesterday. Actually, we have two bits of big news that came out of the NFL yesterday, but a blockbuster trade between the Denver Broncos as they agreed to trade eight-time Pro Bowl linebacker Von Miller to the L.A. Rams. The Rams sent a second round and a third round pick in the 2022 NFL draft to the Broncos in exchange for Von Miller. The Broncos are also going to pay $9 million of Von Miller's remaining $9.7 million base salary for the nine games left in the regular season. And and JR, adding Von Miller to a defense that has Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, even though the defense has experienced a slight decline from last season's defense, which is the top ranked defense in the NFL, that's a scary, scary thought that you're adding Von Miller to this defensive group. Yeah, Aaron Donald, what can he probably uh, standing jump, standing leap, probably what about four foot in the air? Probably. He probably did that <laughs> yesterday when he heard about this, this trade. And uh, look, he's been getting double teamed a lot this year. I think he's only got five. Five sacks, uh, 18th in the league. That's not typical of Aaron Donald, but when you're used to putting up with all those double teams, you know, that's tough. So I think with Von Miller coming in, uh, playing on the opposite side, that's going to be a big thing for the Rams. My question is, when did the Rams decide to start adding all these star players and making this team better? Did that come about the time, Michelle, when they moved? 
Yeah, it's <laughs> so strange, JR, that their desire to win and their actions pushing all the chips in coincided with them leaving St. Louis. It's almost as if they wanted to play badly while they were here to get out of here. Yeah, if you didn't know any better, that's what you would think. Right. Like Matthew Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, right. now Von Miller. Man, I wonder if this can be used in court. (laughs) (laughs) It should be. This should be added to the evidence pile. Lindsay Theory from ESPN, she's their Rams reporter, talked yesterday about why the Rams made this blockbuster trade for Von Miller. Rams coach Sean McVay said not to expect any big splash moves from them like we've seen in the past ahead of the deadline. Of course, Sean McVay added, never say never, true to recent form. Today, of course, that trade for Von Miller. As for what went into the deal, a source tells me that the Rams needed to strengthen their defensive front, and they really needed to alleviate some of the burden on Aaron Donald, who's been faced with nonstop double and triple teams, and ultimately, they felt this was another move they could make in pursuit of a deep playoff, if not Super Bowl run. And finally, Ryan, I'm told they are absolutely buzzing with excitement inside the building over Miller's addition. Yeah, well, I would be buzzing if I was inside that building, too. If you're adding the league's active career sack leader, Von Miller has 110 and a half sacks. He's one of the most decorated players in Broncos history. If, if I'm adding that to this defensive group and I'm a Rams team that's a Super Bowl contender, yeah, I'm buzzing, too, JR. I'm buzzing, too. But clearly the Rams are in win-now mode. Yeah. They have given away a lot of draft capital and... Clearly, they need to win now. Yeah, second and third round draft pick for Von Miller, who's going to be a, an unrestricted free agent. This is the last year of his contract, and he's got to be excited, too. He's got to be buzzing, too. He did go to the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. He actually hosted the team party Sunday night with the Broncos and then gets traded the next day. He said yesterday, a little raw, a little emotional. He was reflecting on his times with Denver. But then what's the first thing out of his mouth? I can't wait to go play with Aaron Donald. And, and, <laughs> and they are getting better. They are making a lot of moves, but it's at the expense of uh, future draft picks and uh, look we've seen in the past the Rams can't do anything with draft picks anyway with the exception of like Eric D- Aaron Donald so uh, they might as well trade them if they can't pick any good players with them yeah that's true have some self-awareness <laughs> and maybe they're they're looking at themselves in the mirror and they say we're not great in the draft so let's just go ahead and, and <laughs> acquire players another way but you're right there was a video of Von Miller of him sitting in the car after he got the news and they asked him about how he was feeling after the trade and he said when I said Broncos for life I meant that it will always be in my heart. It was an honor and privilege to play here. John Elway picked me and it was life changing. And even though he's going to what's a better football situation for him, that is really hard when you've played your entire career somewhere, you've won somewhere, you've had a lot of success somewhere, and you're really ingrained in the community. And then halfway through the season, the ripcord gets pulled and you're off somewhere else. That that has to be a little jarring for yeah. someone like Von Miller. And I believe he's sincere about it. But then the last uh, part of that comment, he says, here I come, L.A. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, always excited about that. Yeah. How about Von Miller? I always appreciated him because he could pull off those Urkel glasses, right? Really impressive. <laughs> Have you ever tried that? You're wearing glasses right now, but the, yours are a very classic shape. Yeah, a little, little classic, but I could never do that. Like, it, you are a bad blank if you can pull off that style of glass. Uh, but, you know, when you're ripped up like he is and you're sacking quarterbacks, you know, like not many people in the league can do, you can pull off any look, right? Well, that's the thing with NFL players, NBA players. Some of the outfits you see the NBA players wearing as they're going into the game If you saw that on a rack in a store, you would never think that would look good. If you're a guy shopping at that store, you would never buy it, probably because it's $5,000, but also because it would never look good on you. But when you're 6'6", 
and chiseled chest or completely chiseled. You can make almost anything <laughs> look good, including man capris, right? I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, well, another bit of news that we got yesterday at the end of our show, JR, was about Derrick Henry. He's the NFL's rushing leader, obviously, and he's going to have surgery this morning on his injured right foot. Mike Vrabel, their head coach of the Tennessee Titans, said that they're not going to put a timeline on when Derrick Henry will return, but obviously this is a huge loss for the Titans. A lot of people think that he is done for the season, and Stephen A. Smith says not only is Derrick Henry's season likely done, so is the Titans. Tennessee Titans season's over. Let's call it what it is. Uh, this is their running game. Who the hell are you going to have running the ball now? Jeremy McNichols or whatever the hell his name is, the backup? I mean, that ain't going to work. I think it's Jeremy McNichols. Yeah, it's Jeremy McNichols. I mean, please, come on now. This is Derrick Henry we're talking about here. Fresh off a 2,000-yard season, right. en route to another 2,000-yard season, averaging 4.3 yards a carry, top five rushing, top four running attack in the National Football League, and he goes down. It is over. The Tennessee Titans, this season, as far as I'm concerned, is finished. Well, they did add Adrian Peterson, who's 36. He's fifth on the NFL's career rushing list, and he's been added to the practice squad. The expectation is that he's going to be added to the active roster, but I'm sorry, Adrian Peterson at this stage of the game, that it doesn't really garner any excitement. That would, that would be like signing Lester and Hap at the uh, midway through the year. And exp- oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait. Maybe, so you're saying maybe, there maybe is a work. No, it's not 2010. I don't think it's a little bit different with running backs than it is aging veteran pitchers who can still throw the ball. Uh, I don't think that uh, Adrian Peterson's going to be able to step in. Certainly not 1% of what Derrick Henry is uh, capable of. But how about Mike Vabrel, Vabrel, uh, the head coach? He said uh, afterwards that if anybody can come back from this, it can be Derek Henry. What if you're another guy in that locker room? Oh, you don't think I could come back, coach? <laughs> I always uh, laugh, Michelle, when I see the shirts that say world's greatest dad. I'm yeah. like, well, what about me, buddy? That's right. Have you not met me? Are you unaware that I exist? Um, but you know what? I think everyone in that locker room is hoping that Mike Vrabel is correct because everything runs through Derrick Henry on that team. Dan Orlovsky from ESPN was talking about this on NFL Live yesterday about how the identity of this Titans team is in disarray without Derrick Henry. He's done. He's not playing again this year. I, you, you're on crutches for six weeks if you have a pin put in, which is, happens in that Jones fracture. So I don't think Derrick Henry's playing again this year. This is a huge loss for this football team. We, we know, like, this is, for me, the, like, the Packers losing Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's the identity of their offense. We know that a couple years we've been talking about how they're a throw first, run second team, but he's their closer. Yeah, it's going to be really tough for them to overcome this. But we're going to have all sorts of news, well, hopefully throughout the day. The NFL trade deadline is today. Things wrap up at 3 p.m. Central Time. Any rumors that we have or any transactions that are made, we'll be sure to keep you updated on that. But some two two big nuggets of news coming out of the NFL yesterday in the Von Miller trade. Von Miller going from the Broncos to the Rams. And, of course, Derrick Henry from the Titans likely being out for the season. That's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It. A little Teoli action on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman hanging out with you this morning. We have a packed 8 o'clock hour. We're going to talk to Mike Claiborne at the top of the hour. Then we want to hear from you. Is this Blues team for real? Or do you think their 6-1-0 start is fool's gold? Give us your text and your mic drop, 65780, on the Air Comfort Service text line. Or leave us a Rhino Shield mic drop on the 101 ESPN app. Then we have the fight. And then we're talking to David Perron at the bottom of the hour. So we've got a lot to get into. So let's jump into Teoli. Take it or leave it here on 101 ESPN. So, JR, World Series, Game 6 tonight. Atlanta leading the Series 3-2. to two. You can catch that action here on 101 ESPN with pregame starting at 6 p.m. Max Freed goes for the Braves. Luis Garcia for the Astros. The Astros are 51-30 and 30 in home games in 2021. Obviously, Game 6 being in Houston. But take it or leave it. Atlanta clinches the World Series tonight. I'm going to leave it. And again, we talked about this yesterday. It's just so tough for me to think that the Astros could potentially, you know, when I talk about them winning these guys involved in trash can gate, you know, winning the World Series. But it's just uh, Dusty Baker. You know, I, I just have a lot of respect for him with what he's done for the game and, and how the players talk about him being a player's coach. And to me, I know a lot of people probably disagree with that, but I think it'd be cool to see Dusty Baker win. It can't happen like you and I said it yesterday where he probably leaves the Astros and goes and does it with another team. So I think that he's going to do it with the Astros. So I'm going to leave that. I think that uh, the Astros tie this thing up. I'm going to take it. I I know a lot of people think that after the Braves had a grand slam in the first inning of game five and end up losing the game that it might have been the nail in the coffin because the Astros have a little bit of momentum, a a shot in the arm. But I like their chances better with Max Freed, and I'm going to take the Braves. And maybe that's uh, my head and my heart making that decision because I do not want the cheating Houston Astros to win the World Series. Cheating Astros. There that's you right. go. Take it or leave it, Michelle. The Blues are without Billy Huso, the backup goaltender, as we mentioned, uh, because of COVID. So according to Craig Bruby a couple days ago, we're just assuming that he's going to be out at least 10 days, which mm-hmm. means he won't go on this upcoming road trip. The Blues are going to play four games when they leave today at L.A. on Wednesday, San Jose on Thursday, Anaheim on Sunday, and then wrap up in Winnipeg next Tuesday. Take it or leave it. Jordan Bennington will play all four of those games because their backup now is Joel Hofer, the prospect with no NHL experience. Jordan Bennington will play all four of those games. And here's the caveat qualifier. He'll go three or one, three and one or better. Wow. That's a good one. I'm going to leave it, though, even though I think he's capable of it this early in the season. I don't know why you'd want to utilize him that much. Do you think Well hold on Let me give you my answer first I think that I'm going to leave it Because I think we'll see Hofer in at least One of those games But I will take That I think Jordan Bennington Will win Three Of the four games There you go But I'm looking at the Back to back Wednesday Thursday Kings and Sharks And I know Jordan Bennington's capable of doing Back to backs But it, it just seems like that would be the, the spot for me, probably maybe that second game to give him to give Joel Hofer a chance there. Yeah, it could be. And like Kerb said yesterday when we talked to him, Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, he said that it uh, depends the workload that Jordan Bennington gets in that game mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday against L.A. Kings. I mean, if you're talking 16, 18, 20 shots and then he can come back the next night, he's done it before twice in his career, played the back to back games. And then also you look at San Jose, they've gone through a lot of COVID issues themselves or they are going through 
through it right now, so you don't know what kind of lineup they'll have out there. Perhaps if they've got the B team out there uh, because of the COVID, maybe that's the game that they slip Joel Hofer in. Let's get to your text on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Emily, what do you have for us? From the 321, take it or leave it, the Cardinals get four gold gloves out of their six nominations. Arnado, Goldie. I think Harrison Bader is going to win one. What do you think? O'Neal, Yachty. I, you know what? I'll take that. I think they'll get four. Four of them. Wow. So for sure you're going Arenado. Yes. You're going Goldie. Yes. And you're going to go I Bader. Feel, I feel confident in Bader, yeah. Bader and O'Neal. That's, what about Yachty? Uh, no, I don't think so. No? I don't know. I think it's close. I, you know, I think you make a, a good argument there, the four guys. Um, but I think one of those guys won't get it. I don't want to say snub because I know they've got some competition, but I'll say it'll be less than four, so I'll leave it. Okay. From the 314 ticket to leave it, it's better to trade Tarasenko before the trade deadline this season than to hold on to him and possibly trade him later. Well, it depends on if you want to win this year and how well he's playing. That's why this thing has been so complicated, because you want him to play well to drive up that stock if you're going to trade him. But at the same time, if he's playing well, that probably means Robert Thomas is clicking, and it probably means that that, uh, Tarasenko is going to help you with a playoff run. But I tell you what, I'm going to take it for this reason. You don't know what's going to be available trade-wise in the offseason. Now, sure, if he has a great year and then Doug goes to the draft where a lot of trades are made, you know, he could probably find a partner. And that allows you to keep him for this playoff run this year. You, you hope that there's a playoff run anyway. Uh, but you got to capitalize when his stock is high, I think, for this reason, because... He's got one more year left on his deal. He's not going to resign in St. Louis. At least I don't believe he is at this point. Mm -hmm. So at some point you have to get something for him. And if midway through the season, the trade deadline is where his stock is the highest and you think you can get something in return that's going to help your club, i.e. a defenseman, then you have to make that deal. So I'll take it. I'll take it too. Army is incredibly instinctual. He knows when to make the right move. And clearly he thought holding on to Vladdy and having him prove himself was the best possible situation for the Blues to get a return for him. And I think he's probably examined this situation through every possible angle. He's looked at it from every vantage point. And if he thinks that that's the best time to strike and that that's the best time for him to, to capitalize on Vladdy, I think he'll do it. From the 636, take it or leave it. The Rams are loading up this year only to get beat by Tom Brady in the NFC Championship. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm not going against Tom Brady, are you? No, you can't, right? No. And you can go against the Rams, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All the time. We have to make our picks on 101 ESPN for our uh, our picks every week, and I won't pick the Rams just out of integrity. Yeah. Even though I think they're going to win most of the games, I, I can't pick them. And let me ask you this. Uh, and you talk about the Rams loading up and doing well and having that success, and it's hard to see them be successful. But, Michelle, would you rather have the Rams be, let's say, 2-15 and, and and just dead in the water and uh, not getting anything going, or would you rather have them – have a ton of success, think they're going to do something, and then lose in the championship. I would rather them have no success because then no one is showing up to SoFi Stadium, and go. that hurts Stan Kroenke's <laughs> pocketbook. And um, even though the emotional agony of being good and ultimately losing is worse, I would rather the fans that 
are in L.A. have a lot of apathy, which would result in less money for Stan Kroenke. Perfect, perfect. I'm going to take it, too. It did feel really good watching them lose the Super Bowl, though. It did, but I had a lot of anxiety heading into that game. You know, as the years go by, I care less and less about the team and their success. I think a lot of people in St. Louis, their energy is on this lawsuit because they want him to pay. The reason that I want the team to not have success is because I don't want him to make money. <laughs> I want him to be punished in the only way that he cares about, and that's his bank account. And that stadium was far behind schedule, and they had a lot of issues, and it cost him way more money than he was anticipating. That's a win for us here in St. Louis. Him losing this lawsuit and having to pay the bills for all of the other owners and that bill keep ticking up and up and up. That's a win for us here in St. Louis, far more than whatever happens on the field. All right, we'll get to one more real quick from the 314. Take it or leave it. Mac and cheese is the superior side. Ooh. Now, the superior side for what? A barbecue, for Thanksgiving? Just a superior side. I think situationally, mac, mac and cheese goes up and down on my power rankings. Yeah. No, when you're a kid, you like that old school mac and cheese. But as you get older, no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know about giving plugs here, but uh, the bread co, the Panera mac and cheese is really outstanding. There are a lot of times where, you know, I, I buy it on purpose for my kids and hope that they don't finish it. And then you kind of wrap up their mac and cheese before you put the plate in the dishwasher, which reminds me, <laughs> which reminds me real quick. I heard uh, Joy Vitale, who's great, right? I heard him uh, one time say, my New Year's resolution is going to be I'm going to stop eating uh, the leftovers off my kids' plates. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. I can't do that. I can't keep doing it. And I'm like, oh, I'm right there with you, Joey. Maybe that's how I could lose some weight. I just won't eat. And I'm thinking mac and cheese, pizza. And Joey goes, I just got to stop eating the blueberries off their plate at the end. The, like, blueberries. the blueberries. Get the antioxidants, Joey. <laughs> My life would be in good shape if I were eating extra blueberries. (laughs) That's right. Um, I also think when it comes to mac and cheese that it's almost disrespectful to mac and cheese to call it a side because mac and cheese can be a main all on its own. Yeah, yeah. Get nope. a nice hearty bowl of mac and cheese. That could be your main dish. Yeah, as long as it's good. And I'm a little bit goofy. I What about you on you guys on this? I put barbecue sauce on my mac and cheese. You do? I've yeah, never had I? that. No? Yeah. But I bet it's delicious. I did that as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a child. Yeah. Barbecue sauce on the mac and cheese. Never done it, but I will try it and get back to you. Well, and you go up to the East Coast a lot. What about yeah. the uh, lobster mac and cheese? The best. Oh, my gosh. So good. I had recently a lobster mac and cheese grilled cheese. Oh my goodness. That was heaven. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. That's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little Cardinal baseball with Mike Claiborne. He's next, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in our friend, Cardinals radio broadcaster Mike Claiborne. Check out all of his great work at ClavesOnline.com and follow him on Twitter at ClavesOnline. Good morning, Claves. How are you? I am doing well. How about you guys? We are doing great. I don't know if I got to talk to you last week after the Oliver Marmol press conference, but I wanted to get your take. What did you make of his introductory press conference, his first time meeting the media as the manager of the Cardinals? Well, um, you know, one of the things about coaches today, and you pick the sport, uh, they don't have a chance to really speak to the media a great deal. A lot of teams have decided they'd rather have it come from one person uh, and that's normally the head coach or the manager. 
But uh, I thought Ali accounted for himself well. In, in my time and knowing him since he's been in the organization as a coach, uh, he's always been a guy who, who thinks it out. I mean, he's not a guy who's straight from the hip. I mean, he's a well-prepared individual, and I expect to see that more as he flourishes as a manager. Yeah, Mike, I'd like to see the uh, the pieces that we've seen on Ali, whether it be in the local news or in the uh, the newspaper, and learn more about Ali. When, when I say this, Mike, I'm not being pessimistic, but it seems whenever there's a new coach that's introduced, even Mike Schilt, just so many good things said. This guy's got a great future, really has a handle on things. He's been around. But in, in your dealings with Ali, just what sticks out to where you think this is the right guy and, and a guy who's got the pedigree where in three years we're not looking back and saying, well, it didn't work out? You know, it's a good question to ask, Jeremy, because, you know, you think about Mike Bettini, Mike Schilt, no managerial experience and, uh, on the big league level. And it's it's different um, compared to what guys deal with in the minors. I mean, if you're in the minors, maybe you talk to one or two media people. Uh, it's a lot more relaxed. You don't have as many things in between you and the game uh, as you do at this level. But, and I think one of the things I've appreciated about him is he's well organized. Uh, he's a guy that when he was a bench coach would oversee workouts uh, you know, or drills that they would have, whether it's in spring training or the, the final month of the season, you know, he'd be on the field making sure it was done right. So uh, he's a detailed guy. He's organized. And, and I think he's a pretty good communicator from what I've seen. Now, obviously when you're a bench coach, you're relaying directors from the manager. So, you know, that can kind of go one or two ways. But, you know, overall, I think from what I've seen, he seems like he has the ability to get people's attention and do it in a professional manner. And, Clibs, I know that John Mozeliak and Oliver Marmol had said that they would hope to have the Cardinals coaching staff in place by the end of the World Series. Do you see any major shakeups happening there, or do you anticipate that most of the coaching staff that was in place this season will return for next year? I think most of the staff will return. Uh, obviously, you have uh, a bench coach role to fill, uh, replacing Ali, and, and there may be another spot on, on the on the staff that may be up for. They, they may go in a different direction, or maybe somebody might feel like they'd like to try something else. So, I, I think you'll see most of the staff back. Uh, they all know each other, and, and ironically, they, you know, most of them have worked together in a previous destination. So, you know, it's not a situation where some guys are fresh off the off the truck and doesn't know anybody, although the next person I would imagine will be of that nature. Uh, you know, maybe it's time to have somebody with a new set of eyes to come in the organization. Maybe it's a former Cardinal. Maybe it's someone that they're familiar with to, to come in and assume a role of just having a fresh set of eyes on what we have and, and where we need to go. All right, Mike, help out Michelle and myself. We just proposed to take it or leave it. The question, how many Cardinals will win the gold glove? I think it was four out of the six, Michelle. We had to, to say whether four, at least four would get it. Yachty, Arenado, Goldie, Bader, O'Neal, Edmund. First of all, do four of those guys get it? Who do you think? I think Bader gets it. Um, Arenado gets it. Goldie gets it. I think those three are, sh- are shoe-ins. I, I, I think... Um, O'Neal, who had had seven errors or eight errors this year, so that that's going to kind of be a, a damper for him. Um, Yachty's had maybe maybe a couple of pass balls and maybe some other guys didn't have. 
But I think the ones who have the inside track are the two corner guys and, and certainly Bader. Well, and I was saying to Michelle, asking her the question, you think it works against the Cardinals in terms of having six guys? I mean, I know when I vote for some of these awards, you, you really try to individualize it and Spread say, okay, it does this yeah. guy deserve it? But at the same time, you look big picture, you can't see yourself voting for five or six guys. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, Jeremy. Um, you don't want to stack a team, but, you know, if they prove it, then you, it's hard to overlook. But, you know, I, I think most voters try and spread the wealth as far as talent's concerned. Um, but, so that's why I don't think we'll have four or five guys. I think if you have three, uh, I think everybody should feel good about that. Cardinals radio broadcaster and you can check out all of his great work. He's he's the proprietor of Claves Online. Claves Online. ClavesOnline.com. Mike Claiborne with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line 101 ESPN. And Claves, I wanted to ask you about the Blues. Our question of the day that we've posed to everyone is, do you think that this Blues team is for real? 6-1-0 start. Do you think they're real or do you think it's a little bit of fool's gold? What's your take? Well, that's, man, we, we're not even to Thanksgiving yet. We've got that question out there. Um yeah, you know, I think they are because of of what we've seen, and, and I think what the, re- the reason why I say it that way is because the guys who are playing well have shown that they played well before. This isn't a bunch of guys showing up and like, wait, where did this guy come from? I've never seen this from him before. Now, obviously, you have some young players that are trying to find their way, but you know, you 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 know that Shen and Tarasenko and O'Reilly and people of that nature. Uh, have shown the skill set to be really good, and if you and if you have enough of them, and it becomes contagious to the younger players. So yeah, I think they're for real. Um, you know, now what does that mean? They're not going to be the seventy-six Canadians, you know, or anything like that, where they're going to run off, you know, and have one hundred and thirty points or anything. But you know, I think what what they've done, or at least what they've shown me so far is that they've narrowed that gap between themselves and Colorado and, and Vegas, uh, the two teams in the conference that I think everybody feels is a pretty good hockey club. So they've narrowed that gap so far. Um, I think like every other team, you got to stay away from the injuries. And when you do have the injury, you have to have guys who can step in and, and take up those minutes. And I'm not just talking about going out for a casual 30-second skate. I'm talking about a person who can go out and make something happen, whether it's being on, on the forecheck or scoring a power play goal or doing a, a killing a penalty. They've got to find guys who step up and, and take full advantage of the minutes that are available to them. Clabes, you saying that it's not even Thanksgiving yet? It reminds me, you know, with baseball, I've been hearing you say for years that you got to wait till Flag Day, that my anniversary, by the way. Oh, nice. Uh, but Clabes, uh, what is it with hockey? What date are you looking for? Where it, you, you say, okay, it's things are real January now. January fifteenth. I, I think Martin Luther King's birthday <laughs> is uh, is what I look at, and and here's the reason why: because by then. You you had a Western swing, and you've, you've decided whether this young player can play or not. And for the younger guys, they hit the wall at that point. You know, and that, at that point, you kind of see who can fight through it. You know, especially if you've had guys that have played college hockey. Uh, not that Blues have a lot of those guys, but I think the younger players uh, have to deal with the travel and, the, you know, three games and four nights and things of that nature. And while you don't have it very often, you go through it once or twice, and Jeremy, you 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 know how that is as, as covering a team with the toll it can take on you physically and mentally. So once guys hit that wall, then we see who can pick themselves up and and who are the 
the components of a team that can be successful. What a great point. Yeah, as you were saying those couple of things, I was thinking you're right on. You, you got the Western Conference swing, and that doesn't happen early on. It usually happens by December, early January. And also guys like Jake Neighbors, and I realize he's kind of a different type of example, 19-year-old kid than we're used to seeing. But you're right, Mike. You find out about the young kids you know, three, four months into the season, not that first month. Well, and here's here's the other thing that comes into a new, and one of the reasons why I go past the holidays. The holidays can be a real distraction for players. Uh, you got family, you got friends in town, or you know you're trying to make sure that the, the kids get the gifts. And, and there's a lot of things that happen away from the rink that can run through a player's head. Not to mention that whole time leading up to the holidays, you know, when they had that moratorium where you can't trade a guy during the Christmas holiday. You know, everybody's wondering, okay, what's December 26th or 27th going to look like? Because some teams would try and make an adjustment earlier than the trade deadline. So a lot of things take place. You want to get them into a rhythm of just playing hockey, and I think it, that's why you have to take it into the middle of January. Mike, I just had one more quick one. We saw the the fight Shen sticks up for Falker in the season, and then last game he's hustling back, gets smashed into the boards, goes off for a second, comes back, concussion protocol, comes back again. Has there been anybody like Braden Shen since Brian Sutter? Boy, uh, no. No. Um and, and you know, and because you know, yeah, have there been guys who were tough and could fight? Yeah, the Blues have had a few of those, but they've never had a guy who's a two-way player who can score as well and understands his role and doesn't need a letter on a sweater to go out and prove that you know he's part of a team and they're going to be team tough. Um, you know, there are nights where I wish he didn't fight, but because of the way the game is now, the reason why I love Braden Shin is he makes you accountable whether you have two minutes in penalties or 200 minutes in penalties, if you do something wrong to one of his teammates, he's going he's gonna to uh, get in your face and hold you accountable. Now, does that mean he's going to win every fight? No, he's not going to win every fight. But I got news for you. The guy who he did fight sitting in the penalty box saying, okay, that's one guy I'm probably not going to mess with anymore. Great stuff from Mike Claiborne, as always. Follow him on Twitter at Claves Online and check out his great website at ClavesOnline.com, www.ClavesOnline.com. Hey, what do you have going on the website? So well, first of all, did you did you find anything fashion wise? I did. I did not, and I looked for you too, Claves. But as <laughs> I told you, it's all street style now. Yeah, I know. And you know, I you know, at my age, you don't want to look like a, you're part of a boy band or anything. So, <laughs> what, what is this all about, Claves? You're the best dressed guy in the he press is. box. How many more clothes do you need? He is. He sent well, me on a mission you know in New what? York to look for him, and I couldn't find him anything good. My significant says that all the time. How many? Well, it's you know it's better than other vices that people have, so I, I look at it that way. That's true. Uh, uh, this week on the site, you know, from a hockey standpoint, we've got Everett Fitzhugh, who's the uh, first African American uh, play-by-play man for the National Hockey League with the Seattle Kraken, and we'll talk about his journey. Uh, he and Chris Kerber have a few uh, few ties going to the same university, but also he talks about that building that the Kraken are playing in, and it's a very unique setup and. I think anybody who has a chance to listen to what Seattle is doing, uh, not just from a hockey standpoint, but from a city standpoint, is something maybe we should be paying closer attention to. Uh, Also, we'll be continuing our baseball coverage. Uh, Keith Costas has a podcast today. He and Bob Ramsey and Rammer and uh, Joe Roderick will have their um, daily cards. And Thursday, Howard Richards and I will have Huddle Up with Howard. We'll talk some football. We always have some pretty good guests on that podcast. 
That sounds great. We'll be checking it out. Thanks so much, Claves. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, gang. Take care. See you, sharp-dressed man. <laughs> That's Mike Claiborne on the Brown and Group in Celebrity Land on 101 ESPN. Yeah, I was in New York last week, and I get a text from Clave saying, hey, if you find anything <laughs> fashion-wise, you let me know. And I'm like, okay, I'll look for you. I'll take some pictures of some stuff. And I went, I went to... Um, this store that was supposed to be it for men's fashion. It's like a, a new hot store. And I said, <laughs> I sent Claves the name and I'm like, I'm here. Is this something that you're interested in? Because it seems like street style is the big thing now. And he's like, no, I can't be, I can't be wearing that. I'm like, I don't blame you, but I just, this is where I was told to go. So I had to pass it along. So yeah. I feel like I failed in my mission to, to help Mike Claiborne find something stylish in New York City. Michelle, I try not to stand by him in the press box. <laughs> I, I stand about 20 feet away all the time. So nobody sees us standing together. I know. And it compares. Everything is tailored. He always looks so sharp. Uh, and be sure to follow him online or on Twitter at Claves Online. That's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to continue our Blues conversation. Is blues, this Blues team for real? Or do you think it's a little bit of fool's gold? Do you need some more time to really be bought in on this Blues team? We're going to get your text and mic drops next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Cuts to the middle, shoots, scores! A dazzling highlight real goal for Vladimir Tarasenko. He's been getting a lot of opportunities to score. They haven't went in, you know, like he wants or, you know, we want him to score too. So it was really good to see. And then getting the second one was a big goal. Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN. We're talking a lot about the Blues today. Do you think this Blues team is for real, 6-1-0 to start the season? Or do you think it's a little bit of fool's gold and you need some more time to really make a judgment on this team? But, Jr., I have to tell you, part of my confidence in this team is the way that Vladimir Tarasenko has been playing. He was such a question mark heading into this year. You didn't know if the drama, if you will, from the offseason would bleed over into the dressing room at all. You didn't know if he was going to be healthy. I didn't know if he still had it in him. And so to see Vladdy be an impact player on this team and show signs of vintage Vladdy, showing that he's a guy that can take over a game and really be a difference maker for you, that's a big, big deal for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people are having confidence in this team because of it. Yeah, and Michelle, I think the one thing that gets a little bit overlooked, and, and rightly so, those first couple games, he didn't do much. And so I think people were saying to themselves, okay, this might not be good, you know, that he's around and is he not going to produce? What's going on? He's supposed to be in the best shape of his life. And that, you know, first game's first game. Yeah, it's tough for everybody. Uh, but then you go into Arizona, didn't play well. It wasn't until that third game against Vegas when uh, he really played well. But since then, he's turned it on. I think he's got, what, a five or six game uh, point streak playing really well. So, yeah, and it's big for that third line, too, because that's where the mismatch is going to be. If you've got your top two lines playing against the other team's top two lines that third line is where you can expose guys and if you've got a robert thomas a Barbashev, a tarasenko that's in part why that line's having so much success so uh real good news to see vladdy on track for the blues from the 314 not to be cliche but the blues are who we thought they were deep at forward good on defense but capable of getting burnt on d and solid in net yeah, I think so. I think that's uh, what we expected them to be so far. I just didn't think that we expected the cohesiveness with the team game for right. starters. I think that when I watched that, when they started off 5-0, and 
I mean, they were moving together, helping each other out. It just looked fluid. And, you know, that's kind of abnormal for the start of the season to see a team clicking like that so well. Uh, but I do think they had a great training camp. They had a great trip to, to Vail, and it was there. Now, it's slipped a little bit in the last couple games against Colorado and Chicago, but, you know, I'm a firm believer that once you've seen it and you see that they're capable of doing it, you know, it should be able to reappear uh, for the most part. And, and so I think that's the part that sticks out to me the most yeah you knew they were deep at forward yeah you had some questions about the defense and as we touched on earlier they're playing well yeah you thought that Jordan Bennington could be the guy that we've seen uh, but to me the early cohesiveness is what's been most impressive and surprising yeah I, I didn't expect that from the 636 I'm reminded of 2018 with this Blues team hopefully they don't repeat that year yeah, and I don't think we'll we'll see that. I mean, they're already off to the good start. Uh, 2018, certainly. You don't remember what happened in the first half. And, you know, big thing there was the goaltending. And, you know, not necessarily fault of Jake Allen. They just didn't get it from that position. And it wasn't until Jordan Bennington. Look, you can talk about all the things that came together in that 2018-19 season. But when they got the goaltending in the early part of January, when Jordan Bennington got on the scene, that was uh, the key to that. Michelle, we also got a text here, and, and people are correct. You know, when they say this, we talked to Klaibs. And uh, I talk about Shen probably being the first guy since Brian Sutter mm-hmm. to be able to have all those similar attributes. And guys like uh, David Backus, even a Keith Kachuk for sure, a uh, Brendan Shanahan who have come along since Brian Sutter definitely fit that mold. You know, I'm just stretching it back a little bit to a Brian Sutter uh, bleed blue type guy yeah, wearing yeah. the heart on the sleeve. So there have been a few guys since, and the textures are right here. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, how about this one, JR, from the 636? I feel like the NHL scheduling sucks. Why do we have so many four-day lulls in the season? As far as the Blues' legitimacy with their 6-1 and one record, I think they're for real. Yeah, it, the schedule, it, it's going to be tough when you have the Olympic schedule. So many quirks involved. You know, they've got to have so many challenges when putting this thing together to take that break. Look, you saw L.A. come in here. It looked like the COVID schedule, right, when they yeah. played two games back-to-back here uh, in St. Louis. And look at this upcoming road trip. You're doing this West Coast swing where you do L.A., San Jose, Anaheim, and then you're <laughs> going to go up to Winnipeg to round up that yeah. road trip. There's going to be a lot of quirks, and this is definitely one of them. And there's another vote, as you said there, for somebody who thinks this team's for real. I like this one from the 314 JR. The only fool's gold with this Blues team is 91. Don't be fooled. Trade him as soon as you can and upgrade. Yeah, it's tough to say, you know, because uh, I do believe this is probably the healthiest, for sure the healthiest we've seen him in the past couple years. Yeah. But might be even further back than that. And, you know, I'm not one to argue when you're producing on the ice. You know, I understand, you know, could you look at this in, in two months and say, wow, he really had that stretch of 10 games where he played well and we thought he was raising his stock and then only find out that... You know, he didn't continue to play and be productive. Yeah, that could be. But look, he's producing right now and he's helping the team. And some of the plays that we see, and and this is why I don't think it's fool's gold. Some of the plays we've seen, you can't just fake those. You, you, You can't do that power move to the net, backhand, forehand, top shelf, and then say, well, that was just something that, you know, okay, this week he's doing that, but not in two weeks. I mean, that that's the type of player he is, and that's what he's capable of doing when he's healthy. Yeah, that's raw skill. You don't just get that overnight. I just hope that he's healthy the entire season. So not not only because it's going to be what's best for the Blues and trying to move him and, and get a good return, but 
I'm curious to see what an entire season of a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko looks like, just from a curiosity's perspective. Because coming into this season, I did not think that we were going to see what we've seen out of him thus far. I didn't know if after having so many sh- surgeries on his shoulder, if he was physically capable of giving the Blues what he's given them so far this season. That's not a knock on his motivation. It's not a knock on his skill as a player. But sometimes... In your career, when you're an athlete, the body just doesn't have it anymore. And so I I really hope that he's healthy for an entire season, however it plays out, because I want to see what he still has in the tank. Yeah, Michelle, we talked yesterday. Do the Blues have a 30-goal score? If Vladdy keeps this up and he stays healthy, the Blues could have a 40-goal score. That would be incredible. That's Jerry Rutherford. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, it's the fight here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman. I'm Jeremy Rutherford filling in for Randy Carriker today. And now it's time for the fight today. It's going to be Michelle's turn. I had the fight yesterday, but uh, she's volunteered today. And Michelle is going to take on Don. So let's bring in Don. Don, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. What do you think about taking on Michelle here? Uh, well, if I lose, that means I'm losing to a girl and I have a lot of people listening, so I don't know. Ouch, ouch. <laughs> oh, yeah, ouch. Emily just grabbed her heart there. Uh, right. She, do we have a seven-second delay? Can we take that out? <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's too Don, late now. Don, uh, she's going to be coming hard at you once she hears that, and I'll be sure to remind her. But let's get this thing started with question number one. We talked about Von Miller earlier in the show, now traded to the L.A. Rams running back. Or I'm sorry, Von Miller was traded from the Broncos to the Rams yesterday in return for two 2022 NFL draft picks. Miller was Super Bowl 50 MVP, defeating which team? Was it the Carolina Panthers, the Seattle Seahawks, or the San Francisco 49ers? That would be the 49ers. Okay. The Titans are signing former All-Pro running back Adrian Peterson to the practice squad after running back Derrick Henry's season-ending injury announced yesterday. Peterson was drafted seventh overall in the 2007 NFL draft by which team? Was it the Washington football team, the New Orleans Saints, or Minnesota Vikings? Uh, Washington. Question number three. Happy 63rd birthday to Cardinals assistant coach Willie McGee. Gosh, I feel old. McGee, 63. McGee was... NL MVP in which season was it? 1982, 1985, or 1990? You said 85. All right. And who was the only Cardinals or MLB pitcher, so both Cardinals and MLB, rather, to hit a home run in Game 7 of the World Series? I'll read that again. Who's the only Cardinals slash MLB pitcher to hit a home run in Game 7 of the World Series? Was it Dizzy Dean, Bob Gibson, or Chris Carpenter? Hmm. I'm going to say Chris Carpenter, but I'm not sure. Don, do you think uh, your friends are going to be okay with your performance here against a girl? Uh, no. 
<laughs> I, know I, got, I know I got one right, uh, 1985. Feel like you got one right? Yeah, you got that answer before I even uh, said it. But, Here comes uh, no. Michelle from the Kona Silence. Michelle? Yes. Um, you got your headset on before. You're going to want to hear this. Okay. Yeah, Don, no, we brought him in. Don, do you want to tell her or you want me to tell Uh-oh, her? Uh-oh, Don. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> well, we got a witness here in Emily, and Emily grabbed her heart when she heard it. Don said that he's got a f- lot of friends listening, and if he loses to a girl, he's going to be in trouble here. Well, Don, you might want to buckle up, because I think you are going to lose to a girl. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's coming at you. All right, let's get started here. Michelle, Von Miller was traded from the Broncos to the Rams yesterday in return for two 2022 NFL draft picks. Miller was the Super Bowl MVP 50 in uh, in uh, which year was that? We don't care. Um, <laughs> but they defeated which team? Was it the Carolina Panthers, the Seattle Seahawks, or the San Francisco 49ers? So who did the Broncos beat in the Super Bowl when exactly. Von Miller won? It was the Carolina Panthers because I watched it at the Clevelander Hotel with Dan and Poppy Lebertard. Look at that. You sound like Randy on that one. <laughs> I was going to say those little California yes. pizza kitchen action. Poppy was uh, cheering for Ron Rivera, big time. There you go. The Titans are signing former All-Pro running back Adrian Peterson to their practice squad after running back Derrick Henry's season-ending injury announced yesterday. Peterson was drafted seventh overall in the 2007 NFL draft by which team? Was it the Washington football team, New Orleans Saints, or Minnesota Vikings? I'm pretty sure he was drafted by the Vikings from Oklahoma to Minnesota. So let's, no, let's go Minnesota Vikings. I'm pretty confident on that one. Question number three, Michelle, it's Willie McGee's 63rd birthday. Happy birthday to him. Willie McGee was the NL MVP in which season was it? 1982, 1985, and 1990. And let me put a little bit of pressure on you here. Don actually shouted out the answer before I got to the end, so he knew this one. Do you know it? Is it 82, 85, or 1990? Well, first of all, happy birthday to Willie McGee. Happy birthday to him. I know it wasn't 90. I don't... I have to imagine it was 85. So I'm, I'm going to go 1985, final answer. Okay. And who is the only Cardinals slash MLB pitcher to hit a home run in Game 7 of the World Series? Was it Dizzy Dean, Bob Gibson, or Chris Carpenter? That one's tough. That one's really tough. Well, I know it was not Chris Carpenter because he's my favorite Cardinal of all time. And if that was on his resume, I would remember. So that... What were the first two options, Bob's, Bob Gibson and Dizzy Dean? Yes, Dizzy Dean and Bob Gibson. Hmm. Is it Dizzy Dean or Bob Gibson? It just feels like something that Bob Gibson would do, right? So I'm going to roll the dice here and go Bob Gibson. Final answer? Final answer. Here we go. Well, are Don's friends going to be glad because he has bragging rights against Michelle, or did he lose to a girl? Emily, let us find out here. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions, providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. Thank you, Emily, for that. Wow. Ouch. A jack, Michelle. I got whooped. <laughs> Have the text started coming in yet, Don? <laughs> uh, yeah. One. <laughs> One was texting during throughout the whole thing. So yeah, maybe you shouldn't diss girls, Don. 
Who's, who's inferior now? <laughs> oh, I already knew I was inferior the whole time. Uh, yeah. No, we'll cut him some slack there. But I did see uh, some venom in your eyes, Michelle. Yeah, you know that. what? Normally I come in and I cheer for the listener. Not today. We don't do misogyny over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, guys. You want to give us the answers? Yeah, I mean, let's go through I, the answers here. I'm oh, assuming yeah. I got all of them because I got the, the check. I we was unsure the, on the last one. No, Von Miller was traded from the Broncos to the Rams yesterday. We mentioned that. Uh, Miller was the Super Bowl 50 MVP, and, of course, the Broncos defeated the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I remember that one. The Titans are signing former All-Pro running back Adrian Peterson to their pat- practice squad after Derrick Henry's season-ending surgery. Peterson was drafted seventh overall in 2007 by the Minnesota Vikings, so you stuttered a little bit on that, Michelle, but you, you stuck with the right answer. I just couldn't remember any other team he would play for, for before the Vikings, so had to assume he was drafted by them. And let me tell you, I got about this far in the question. Happy thir- 63rd birthday to Willie McGee. He was the NL MVP, and Don shouted 1985. Nice. But he gets it right. You got it right. That was the one that uh, Don got right. Michelle, at that point, you're three for three. And the final question, who is the only Cardinals pitcher to hit a home run in Game 7 of the World Series? And, Michelle, you got that one right. Uh, Don did not. That was Bob Gibson, 1967, against the Red Sox. So we have a a jack for Michelle, 4-1 to in the fight over Don. We need to put that on the board because that does not happen for me. (laughs) But these these questions were really good, Emily. But I would just think that Bob Gibson, that's the – I should have known that. That should have been at the top of my head. But I'm glad I got it right. So, anyway, thanks, Don. Have a great day. Enjoy your text thread. (laughs) trash talk there at the end i'm just saying you know you should i'm glad you told me that before because normally i come in with more of a gentle heart you know i cheer for the listener always yeah i saw against randy but no you know the fire went on inside after that one that's jeremy rutherford i'm michelle smallman coming up next we're going to talk to david perron that's next so keep it here on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Randy Carriker is out today. Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider at The Athletic, is sitting in for Randy and I'm Michelle Smallman. But let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in David Perron, our weekly chat with David. Good morning. How are you doing, David? Doing well. How about you? We're doing great, thanks. First things first, we know you have kids. So how was your Halloween? Did you dress up or do anything special with them? Uh, Sunday night, so we had a lot of fun and uh Throughout the uh, afternoon, we went trick-or-treating with the kids and uh, just kind of around our neighborhood. Uh, made a fun day. It was great. Uh, obviously, they, they enjoy getting as much candy as possible, so it turned out to be a great day. David, I, I love seeing when the Blues post the uh, pictures of the players from their team party. And do you agree with me on this? Does Robert Bortuzzo not come up with the best costumes? <laughs> For those who didn't see the picture yesterday, dressed up as uh, the Peloton guy, actually on the Peloton with the outfit, just terrific. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, Bortuzzo had a great costume for sure. Uh, with that picture, I saw that uh, yesterday as well. Um, there was a couple other ones, too, that didn't even come out, but they were great pictures. It's kind of inside jokes uh, within the room, which was great. Uh, the boys had fun, and uh, we're just uh, thankful and lucky that we were able to do that night where uh, last year we weren't able to, so um, it was perfect. David, last week we talked to you about your chemistry with Ryan O'Reilly, and you said that you guys just click on the ice in a way that you haven't really clicked with many guys like that in your career. So what's it been like for you having so much time with him? He's he's so consistent and there for the Blues. What's it like for you to not have him out there on the ice? 
Yeah, well, it's it's different for sure, and uh, we we kind of keep dealing with the COVID stuff with Huso uh, going on there too. So definitely, it's an adjustment every time you change uh, lines. Uh, but I mean, I play with almost every guy on the team uh, over the last few years, so it's not been too bad. I think the guys have done a good job. We play a pretty solid team game uh, against Chicago, and uh, now we're on the road trip. Uh, hopefully, getting Sauter back and uh, keep moving forward. And Jordan Bennington mentioned after that game versus Chicago that Ryan O'Reilly's still texting the boys, firing you guys up. How active has he been on the group thread? Because I imagine it's difficult for yeah. him to sit at home and not be there with you guys. I, I think he's itching to get out uh, and get on the ice. Uh, I mean, let alone uh, even in the summer. I don't even know if he takes more than one day off uh, off the ice. So I, I don't know what he's been doing to uh, or, or if he's been able to work out or do anything, uh, depending on how he's feeling, all that stuff. Like, Seems like he's doing pretty well now, and he's looking forward. I don't know exactly when he's uh, able to come out of the COVID protocol, but uh, we're definitely looking uh, forward to having him back. David, a lot of people have been asking me this year, talking about that team chemistry and, and O'Reilly being in the group chat there, uh, that it's really good this year. And, and kind of an example of that was you slipping into the press conference the other day for Tory Krug. Uh, for those people who missed it, Tory Krug was up at the podium talking to the media, and David sat down with the reporters. And as soon as Tory Krug saw it, he slipped in an answer. He said, well... Perry was over there stick handling, doing nothing, so I had to shoot the puck. Just first, uh, that moment uh, when he saw you, did you figure he was going to chirp you? And, and secondly, just the team chemistry seems to be off the charts so far. Yeah, well, he, I guess he just went by me without even uh, noticing. He just kind of slipped in the room and, and got ahead of me, so I was I had to be waiting outside, so I just told Caruso I'll just wait in, in, uh, in the conference room there. And sure enough, like you said, when he saw me, uh, I'm, I'm an easy target, I think, on this team to, to be chirping, and it's uh, it's totally fine with me. I think we have fun that way. We, we become tighter, and uh, yeah, like uh, I, I think like even that trip to Vail before the season, all, all those little things that we weren't able to do over the past year and a half uh, make a big difference in the end. And uh, I mean, so so hopefully we keep keep, keep that up. David, speaking of Tory Krug, he was on with Cam Jansen and Andy Strickland on their podcast, and he had this to say about you. He said, man, did I hate that guy. I never liked him. I didn't understand how good he was. That has to happen a lot in the NHL when you have such fierce competitions with different guys and you don't like them, and then all of a sudden they're on your team, and you have a, a different perspective of them. Yeah, well, I felt the same, and I didn't want it. I uh, wouldn't want it to be any other way. Like, uh, I guess you want to be uh, hard to play against or annoying to play against, and uh, I take pride in that for sure. And uh, I mean, I didn't have to say it on that podcast. I, I was pretty aware of it without, <laughs> without him saying anything. And I think it was the same on the other side too. And uh, that's what makes it fun to play with him on the power play. To be honest, I I just feel like uh, watching him over the years how smart he is with the puck. Uh, it gives me a lot of split seconds this decision that a lot of times you have pressure from the uh, other penalty uh, kill and uh, he gives me probably half a second more often than, than people realize to make a, a, a nicer play than maybe he had and uh, I think that's part of why we've had some success uh, together uh, over the last little while in the power play. Yeah, I think Krug followed it up by saying that he eventually got your phone number, and he said, well, I think I'll wait a few days before I call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I texted, uh, when he signed, I texted uh, Berger on uh, on Boston, and I just asked him for his number just to welcome him, send him a text, and uh, that's kind of where the story uh 
started, I guess. Hey, David, uh, we had Mike McKenna on yesterday, the St. Louis native, um, and he obviously 35 games in the NHL with a, a number of teams. But he was out at your practice a couple days ago, and I got to admit, he looked pretty good. What do you think about uh, Mike McKenna between the yeah. pipes at that practice? Yeah, no, it was uh, last uh, last minute phone call for for Mike to come in practice. Uh, I mean, not much of a warm up. I don't know if he's uh, been playing hockey at all uh, recently, but he looked pretty good. Uh, he obviously looked like he had fun, and I'm sure uh, for him now that he's he's retired for a couple of years at least, uh, just to get the chance to come out with the boys. And I think I saw pictures. Uh, his family came, uh, his daughters came to see him uh, at practice too. So. Cool little moment for him. I thought he looked great. So if, if we ever need a goalie uh, again, uh, we'll definitely uh, be able to call him. Yeah, and I bring it up because everyone knows by now that Billy Huso is on the COVID list and it looks like he's going to be out and miss a few games. The Blues have recalled Joel Hofer. Not a lot of Blues fans know much about Hofer, a uh, draft pick of a couple years ago. In the limited time that you've seen Joel Hofer on the ice, what do you notice? Do you think he's ready for this if Craig Bruby needs to use him? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think so. He's uh, done a good job to stay sharp even through the last year when he was in the taxi squad for most of the year. Uh, so I think Hof is definitely uh, ready when he's, he's called upon. Uh, playing four games, I'm sure he's going to end up playing one of them, maybe the back-to-back. Um, and it's a great opportunity for him to, to show that he's ready. And, uh, I mean, we're going to be there to support him, play as good a game as we can in front of him. And uh, that's, that's what we're, we're expected out of him for sure. David Perron joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. David, we talked a lot today about the hot start that your team has had, 6-1-0. and Is there a certain point in the season where you feel really confident that you know what your team is or what they're capable of? Is there is there a certain tent pole that you look for each season and you say, okay, I'm pretty confident in what we have, or at least knowing in what we have? Um. Yeah, like I, I still think we're in the early part of the season. I definitely think by a lot of times it's almost like the Thanksgiving mark uh, is always something that's been given from managers or or coaches throughout the league where you kind of know where your team identity is. And definitely for us, uh, I think we're getting there. I think we're very close. Definitely just I think the last uh, with, with Sauter and Alright kind of changed a little bit of that. Uh, but definitely uh, I think we're, we're close to that and we're hoping we keep going through Thanksgiving and, and through the end of the year playing some, some solid hockey. You touched on playing with some different line mates with uh, O'Reilly out, and I know you've you've played with uh, Kairou a little bit for the past year and a half, but uh, Mike McKenna said yesterday that was the one guy that really caught his eye, caught his attention. You know, Kairou head up, he'd pick his spot, find the shot, and, and he had his number in that uh, practice. Yeah. Just, David, you have such an eye for that kind of stuff. What do you see from Jordan Kairou, and how has he been able to carry that over to this year and, and become that breakout player that everybody thought? Well, I think from the first time, even myself, when I saw Jordan uh, skate, like I think it was three years ago at his first training camp, he's an impressive guy to, to see on the ice, uh, the way he skates, the way he can shoot the puck and and uh, try and make a difference. And definitely in practice, you see even more with more time. Um, uh, obviously, as he keeps learning, the NHL keeps learning the how to play the pro game, all that stuff. Uh, he's only going to get better. I, I think definitely teams are going to try and adjust his speed, know how good he is and things like that. But I also think he's going to get better. He's going to get smarter with each puck decision that he gets um, when it's time to, to make a deke or not. And uh, I, I obviously think he's still a young guy. He's going to get better every single day doing that. He's very impressive in, in practices, and that's why he's getting the opportunities that he's getting in the game. And he, he's done a great job um, early on in the season. And, 
Um, now it's kind of like showing that consistency every single night through 82 games. I think it's going to be his first 82 game schedule for us. Um, so we're excited to see him play. Yeah, just to wrap up here, your other line mate right now, Braden Chen, kind of a scare the other night when he goes hard into the boards and then he gets yeah. taken off the ice for concussion protocol. You know, I guess we'll see if he's on the ice. I imagine he will be uh, after taking a practice off a couple of days ago. He'll be back out there today. But a scare, but gosh, you guys got to get so much energy, motivation when you see number 10 come back out on the ice. Yeah, it was surreal, to be honest with you. I was like, uh, first shift he came out, I think we had just scored a goal, and he went out to face us. I was like, how the heck is he out there right now? It's, uh, I couldn't believe it. And uh, then he went back out, uh, got a little bit of uh, uncertainty. But, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's great. He's obviously one of our biggest leaders. He steps up to a plate at different moments, different situation when the team needs him to uh, – maybe respond to some stuff that happened last year with Kadri and, and Falk or if we need a big goal or uh, honestly, like even a offensive defensive situation. Uh, that's the reason why uh, he's signed long-term. He's, uh, he's, I think he's obviously after O'Reilly, probably our biggest leader. So it's great to, to see him come back every time. Great stuff as always from David Prime. David, thanks so much for the time and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Doctor. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. That's David Prime with Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. He always gives the great, the best answers, doesn't he? Yeah, I would have liked to have known what those inside joke costumes were. That would have been great, but I don't know if he would have delved into that. I was going to ask him, but then I figured he couldn't share it, <laughs> and I didn't want to put him in that position. And we probably wouldn't have gotten it probably anyway, got it, yeah. but I'm sure they were very creative and funny. Yeah. But you got to flip through, if, if you're a Blues fan, flip through their Instagram account. I think they put four or five pictures up. Uh, yesterday of uh, the costumes that some of these guys wore. And, and like I said, I think Bortuzzo always kills it. <laughs> yeah, he did. And those pictures were great. They have a lot of fun. That's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming, coming up next, we're going to continue talking about the Blues. And as we're joined by Darren Pang, he's next. So keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman with you here on 101 ESPN. Let's continue talking a little blues hockey and head back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in Valley Sports Midwest and TNT NHL analyst Darren Pang. Good morning, Panger. How are you? Michelle and uh, JR, good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. And I think, first of all, congratulations are in order. Emily tells me that you're actually in New Jersey right now visiting your newest granddaughter. So congratulations and tell us about the latest addition to your family. Thank you very much. Yeah, my wife and I are here visiting uh, my son and his wife, and uh, they've uh, yeah they just had their their second, and uh, all girls. So so far under the age, just barely under the age of two, we've got all, we've got four granddaughters. So it uh, this was an opportunity with the schedule, uh, and the game tomorrow is on TNT that I'm not doing, and a uh, chance to come out here and uh, spend some time here, uh, visit the grandkids, and and. Uh, just really relax and, and uh, enjoy that part of it. We're lucky in St. Louis because my daughter lives there and, and she's got her two girls, and uh, so we're able to see them quite a bit. Not able to get to New Jersey as often as we, we would certainly like. Wow, congrats, uh, Panger. Well, I know you're probably dressing up as a grandpa these days for <laughs> Halloween, but uh, hey, I just showed Michelle. I know it wasn't Halloween. It was casino night with the Blues, the annual event that they have, but I just... Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman with you here on 101 ESPN. Let's continue talking a little blues hockey and head back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in Valley Sports Midwest and TNT NHL analyst Darren Pang. Good morning, Panger. How are you? 
Michelle and uh, JR. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. And I think, first of all, congratulations are in order. Emily tells me that you're actually in New Jersey right now visiting your newest granddaughter. So congratulations and tell us about the latest addition to your family. Thank you very much. Yeah, my wife and I are here visiting uh, my son and his wife and uh, they've, uh, yeah, they just had their, their second and uh, all girls. So, so far under the age, just barely under the age of two, we've got all, we've got four granddaughters. So it, uh, this was an opportunity with the schedule uh, and the game tomorrow is on TNT that I'm not doing and a uh, chance to come out here and uh, spend some time here, uh, visit the grandkids and, and uh, just really relax and, and uh, enjoy that part of it. We're lucky in St. Louis because my daughter lives there and, and she's got her two girls, and uh, so we're able to see them quite a bit. Not able to get to New Jersey as often as we, we would certainly like. Wow, congrats, uh, Panger. Well, I know you're probably dressing up as a grandpa these days for <laughs> Halloween, but, uh, hey, I just showed Michelle. I know it wasn't Halloween. It was casino night with the Blues, the annual event that they have, but I just a picture of you dressed up as the Oscar, and she doubled over. What a, <laughs> so good. <laughs> what went into that costume? What, what was the makeup and the prep work like for that? That that was my wife's idea, and she uh, she ordered that she ordered that paint online, and promised me that it would come off. <laughs> <laughs> but as as you remember that uh, you know that's your, your 2019 season, and um, you know things were just starting to go a little bit better, and you know Bennington had taken over early January, and I I, I thought it'd be a fun thing to do too, you know to uh, uh, to you know copy the actual. The, the the Emmys and and have some fun really and and when I walked into that that room down below we we were there earlier and all the players were in tuxes so I looked around and 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 I got out of my car and the guy that parks the car looked at me and he said oh my goodness and uh, part of my steering wheel was gold and the but but as I I got into the building I'm like I I was now thinking is this the right idea I mean er, like everybody Tom Stillman his wife. Uh, Everybody's in. Everybody's in. You know, tuxedos and acting like it's the. You know, the actual awards and and here I am in this uh, in this <laughs> in this outfit. So it was. Uh, anyway, it was quite a night. Um, it was. It was actually a lot of fun. The players loved it. I still have lots of pictures. They all wanted pictures and and uh, and so I, I think at the end it was well worth it. But it was. Uh, um, it, I thought it was a gamble going into it, but my wife was right. It was it was well worth it. It was yeah. very very funny. A couple of players probably could have picked him up and held him like like an Oscar <laughs> there. But uh, but hey, if you haven't seen the picture, you got to go. Would you Google uh, Oscar Darren Pang yeah. costume? Yeah, you got to go to Google yeah. and, and find that. It's terrific. Hey, let's go from Oscar gold to fool's gold. The question, Darren, that we've been uh, talking about today on the show is this Blues six and one start. We know that fool's gold comes with a negative connotation. That's not what we're trying to do here, but. What you see here, what's real? What can you take away and say this is the Blues and this is not fool's gold? Well, I think uh, team chemistry is uh, team chemistry is real. A team, you know, a team that's going to play hard for one another. Um, I think a team that does that sticks together in, you know, in, in uh, tumultuous times. Um, and I thought, you know, right off the hop when when uh, Braden Shen uh, wasted no time in getting back at a player that knocked, uh, you know, his teammate dizzy last year. Uh, that's, you know, the cadre hit right away. You're like, okay. I mean, these guys are, are, they're together. They're a tight group. Um, the forward depth <clears throat> is, is real. Um, I, I do believe, and we've already seen some situations with uh, COVID uh, and we'll see some situations with injury, how much depth do you have and what can they do? 
So I, I do believe that that is real. And and the other part that I think is real and, and no fool's gold whatsoever, the defensive unit is better than we may have anticipated. Um, Justin Falk last year was outstanding. And, and it's amazing to me. And J.R., no offense to the writers, uh, he got no votes at all last year. Like zero, I think, for the for the um, uh, Norris Trophy, and and I'm not saying he should have got, you know, like 35 of them or 50 of them or whatever, but but nobody really recognized after a, a poor first year with the Blues that last year he was one of the best in the West that we saw every single night and didn't get enough credit, and here he is, he's carrying that on, uh, you know, now again this year, and that that to me is. Uh, is real and he's not going away. So Perico is real. And I think our defending group is a lot better than we may have anticipated it is. So, so all in all, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at all the other teams in, in, in the West and, and I'm saying the blues can match up with every single one of them, in my opinion. Darren Pang joining us here on 101 ESPN. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Panger40. And Panger, the Blues have dealt with some COVID issues. Brandon Saad was on the list. Ryan Ryan O'Reilly still dealing with it. And then the Blues announced that Billy Huso has also been placed on the COVID-19 protocols list. Joel Holfer has been called up from Springfield. How do you think he's going to be deployed with the Blues? Or do you think he will be used? If, if you were Craig Bruby, what spot would you choose to use Joel Holfer if you would? Well, it is it I it is interesting, you know, that that this happened so quickly and I think this is um a great opportunity for us to see Joel. I, I thought his camp was was pretty good. You get lost in camp cuz you're really watching who so you're watching Bennington. I had my eyes on Colton Ellis uh from the Quebec Major League. I I thought he was outstanding in camp and but the other goaltenders didn't really get a a real opportunity. So, I mean, I, I think it, if if you look at the you know, the schedule um, and, and where we're at, uh, TNT game is on, on Wednesday in L.A. Uh, you've got, you know, San Jose back-to-back. Uh, I, I'm thinking that the San Jose game might be the game that he ends up getting in uh, because of the back-to-back. I'd like to get into L.A. This is just me. I haven't talked to the coaches staff about it, but I'd like to get into L.A. Uh, Bennington's on a bit of a roll. You don't want to throw the kid into that game. Uh, give them a chance to get a couple more practices in. Because you're going back-to-back, you know, there'd be a good chance uh, that uh, that you go right to Joel uh, in that game in San Jose. Uh, then you turn around, Bennington, and, and then Bennington can finish off the, the trip. And you definitely want Bennington in Winnipeg. Um, so it's either your Anaheim game or your San Jose game for me. But uh, uh, I think somewhere in those two games, I think that's where you get Joel. And listen, for those that don't know Joel, I mean, Joel has – a winning pedigree. He's uh he doesn't seem to flinch under fire. He is a big goaltender, something we're not that used to uh, in our organization. I mean, Bennington six one. I think Billy Huso might be in that six two and a half, six three maybe range. Um, you know, the last time we had a goaltender this big, I I mean, I believe that was a full timer. I mean, would have been a long time ago. Would have been Ben Bishop, if I'm not mistaken. So um, he's about six four, six four and a half. He was a real skinny guy when he came into the Blues like 145 pounds. He's growing into a man much like what Biddington was when he first started. And he's, uh, he's, he's a 
I mean, he's a big blocker of the puck, and he's very, very competitive. So I am excited, actually, to, to see him in an NHL game. Hey, DP, I wanted to ask you about another area of success for the Blues this season, and it's uh, maybe been overlooked a little bit. Some talk about it is the special teams. The power play and PK both rank second in the league. Jim Montgomery, Steve Ott both doing a tremendous job with those special teams. My question Mm -hmm. is, you know, sustainability, and nobody expects them to finish the year both number two in the league, but are these top eight, top ten units, you think, for the whole season? How do they keep this up? Well, we all know that, the, that you're going to you're going to fall into phases where the other team, you know, is so well prepared and matches up against you, and you know you, you, you know you, you just get a little bit cold. That's going to happen. But already, what I've seen, um, you know, Jim Montgomery came in last year, and he did he, he, he you know he had a large part of the power play, um, he, but he's really good on the on the penalty kill, and so they made that switch this year. Otter goes a little bit more on the power play. Montgomery goes to the PK. And, and things are working out just great. Um, I mean, Steve Ott has played with a lot of, you know, great players over the years. Whether he was on a power play or not on the power play, he still has a great mind for the game. And I, I what I like about our power play, and the reason why I think it's going to stay hot, is that, you know, after last year where Torque didn't quite adjust to being a left-hand shot and, and moving that puck uh, either to his right or to the left, after being in Boston with with the right-handed shooter in, in Pasternak, last year we often played uh, our right-hand shot on the right side and our left-hand shot on the left side, and I, I just felt like he it wasn't in sync. I felt like it was it was it was it was just just going against the grain all the time, and and so now I'm looking at it, and every single time they've got the puck, it looks like Tory Krug is going to make the play that sets everything up. And so uh, there's many options we have on that first power play unit. And in fact, I think our second power play unit can really click in as well. But unfortunately for them, they're not getting much ice time because the first power play unit's on there almost the entire time because they're doing so well. They've got the puck on their stick uh, the whole time. So, uh, but again, uh, you know, at the end of the year, do you think they're going to be one and two or two and three in the entire league? That's a lot to ask, but I I, I believe their standards are that high that they want to, you know, maintain a top five in both of them uh, by the time the season ends. Great stuff as always from Bally Sports Midwest and TNT NHL analyst Darren Pang. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Panger40. Darren, thanks so much for the time and enjoy the rest of your trip with your new granddaughter. Uh, I will, and thanks for having me. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the boys on the trip here as well. Thank you. All right, that's Darren Pang. We'll talk to him again next week. Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman coming up next. We're going to revisit the the question of the day. JR asked Darren Pang, is this Blues team for real, or do you think parts of their 6-1-0 start are a little bit of fool's gold? Your text and mic drops next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Down the middle and a shot blocked by Scandella. Hagel to the far wing and that'll do it. Bring out the Zamboni. 25 save shutout for Jordan Bennington. And a 1-0 win for the St. Louis Blues. Who improved to 6-1 and stay atop the Central Division. That's the voice of the Blues. Chris Kerber here on 101 ESPN with the call. The Blues with a 6-1-0 start. Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman here with you. And we've been talking about the Blues start. Is it real? Are there components of it that are fool's gold? And, JR, we just spoke to Darren Pang last segment who talked about the things that he believes are real with this team. He mentioned the defense being better than a lot of people anticipated. And he talked about the chemistry on this team, that 
I think take, took a lot of people by surprise. You knew that a lot of these guys had played together for a while now, but there's new faces coming in. And I think last last season, even at points in the middle of the season, you didn't really know what this Blues team's identity was. So the fact that they came out so early and it really feels like there's true cohesion with this team, I think that's for real. Yeah, and the number one thing he said, and he's right about both of those things, the number one thing out of his mouth, Michelle, was team chemistry. And I think a lot of people probably hear that and maybe they've heard me say that the first month of the season and they say, yeah, it's early in the season, everybody's healthy except for Oscar Sundquist. You know, the team's playing well. Of course there's going to be good team chemistry. But I think as people who are around the team a lot and we're at practice. We see the jokes. We see the laughing. We see mm-hmm. these things. You know, we see the Zoom calls and interviews where they're joking with each other, like with Perron and Krug the other day. You can just kind of get a sense for that. And so, yeah, you lose six in a row. Is that team chemistry going to disappear a little bit? Yeah, you might not see the, the joking <laughs> around, but I think that foundation is being built to help them get through those times. And, and so to me, understanding that team chemistry is cliche, I do feel like I see that more than I've seen that in the past couple years. And it, it's been tough, sure, with COVID, but but this year looks different with this group of players. It really does. And in a lot of their post-game comments, I've heard players mention we need to keep playing well and we need to keep having fun. And I think those two things are connected. When you're a team that had a great chance of going back-to-back and winning another Stanley Cup and then the world stops and you have to go to the bubble, that was clearly not a great experience for them. Last season when the scheduling is different and you're traveling all the time and you're going to places where you're very restricted and you can't hang out with your teammates in the manner in which you, which you used to, that becomes very complicated and it's it's hard for players to get into their... For Athletes are so routine-based and when you're taken out of your routine and you're, all of these other circumstances are getting thrown at you, that's not fun. And it's hard to play loose and really develop that chemistry when all of this other stuff is happening. So it seems like the Blues have really taken a proactive step to make sure, whether it's the trip to Vail or the jokes that they have on this season, that they are bringing fun back into the equation. Yeah, Michelle, as uh, Darren Pang was talking about that earlier, I just, I started thinking, and I'm not saying this is true, I'm just thinking out loud here. I wonder how much of it is the fact that there was so much talk prior to the season, again, I always include myself in, included in that, about there being a distraction with Tarasenko and maybe there it, it will affect team chemistry. And I'm not saying that these players listen to all that stuff, but you know, they're already a good group of guys who have good intentions to come in and be a close-knit team and the coaching staff, the organization, they do a great job uh, developing that. But you know, when you hear, okay, the locker room's going to be bad because of that, no, we're going to be fine. You know, and you even create a tighter bond to show people they're not trying to prove anything, but just hey, look, we're a good group of guys who likes to get along and play hockey together. We're going to support each other, but it might develop it even further. Yeah, kind of interesting that what we thought might divide the group almost could have been a galvanizing force in a way. Uh, But clearly, Vladimir Tarasenko has not been a distraction for this team. Let's get to some of your response. We're going to go to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, and you can always leave a mic drop on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. This one, JR from the 314. The Blues will only succeed if Chief uses players in the right role. If not, forget it. Well, I think that he is doing that. And, you know, I know that uh, the past couple years, obviously everybody's had an issue with a guy like Zach Sanford playing on the second line with Perron and O'Reilly. Now, at the time, uh, Craig Bruby is trying to find balance with his lines. You don't want to put, you know, all your guys on one line and have them checked. And, you know, all of a sudden Sanford, those types of guys are on the bottom. So he's looking for balance when he does that. Um, And that's a move that a lot of people question. But Zach Sanford's not around anymore. And so I think the players that he has to put on the ice are players that 
he and the coaching staff have put in the mm-hmm. right spot so far. You know, look what they've done uh, keeping that Barbashev, Thomas, Tarasenko line together. They could have broken that up when Saad leaves or O'Reilly leaves. You know, they're doing a good thing by keeping those players together. And then you look what they've done with Tori Krug and Justin Falk. That pair has been phenomenal, and it's because of, obviously, the health of, of Pareko. But they saw that, listen, these guys especially Krug. We're not looking at 22, 23 minutes with him. We need to put him in a spot where he can succeed. They're doing that. So to me, Craig Bruby is putting these guys in the spot. This one's interesting from the 618. The Blues are for real, but let's not overlook that the teams they've been playing have, haven't been playing well also. Yeah, and we talked about that earlier. I mean, you can analyze that to death. You know, what we're saying here about the Blues being for real, it, it's not scientific based on their opponent's record or how their opponents are playing or is McKinnon in the lineup is he not in the lineup? We talked earlier, Michelle, that the Blues have been missing players because of COVID. I mean, their captain, their best mm-hmm. player uh, on a lot of nights, Ryan O'Reilly. And, and so, you know, I go back to when you look at this Blue start, is it real or not? Is Are the things that you thought would be good, good? And I think the answer is yes, the forward depth. And are some of the things that you thought might be an issue, are those good as well, too? And as Darren Pang said, the defensive play, uh, he talked about the special teams. Those things have been good, too. So to me, I look more at that than how the opponent's playing, who's in the lineup, what their record is. I I do understand people, though, looking at some of the wins that the Blues have compiled and saying, okay, great, you played well against Colorado. They didn't have McKinnon. (laughs) You know, they didn't have Landis Scott. I, I understand looking at a game like that and saying, great, but let's see what you look like when they're at full force. Yeah. And then my counter to that would be like, well, the Blues haven't been at full force in a lot of these spots either. So they're still finding ways to beat pretty good teams. Well, and then that's what uh, Claiborne alluded to. Claiborne's online earlier. And we were saying that, you know, give it some time. He said it's not even, well, now it is November, but <laughs> you know, right. it's not Thanksgiving yet. Uh, and he said, you look at uh, early January, January 15th, Martin Luther King's birthday, uh, Claiborne said, where he looks at uh, the Blues and, and looks around the NHL and says, okay, now you can tell for real. And I think in part that's because by that time, you're going to for sure have a full complement of lineups playing against each other at some point in the season. You're not going to have a situation where just a seven game sample size and, you know, Colorado's missing this guy, Blue's missing this guy. So I think that that's that's the approach to take. You know, is it fool's gold? No, I don't think so. But I think before you weigh this heavily, let's get a couple months into the season. MLK Day is January 15th. And think back to 2019. Yeah. And what we thought the Blues were prior to MLK Day, prior to January 15th. And you can start great. It's about maintaining it. And that's what this exercise is all about. What components of the Blues' early success do we think are capable of being consistent throughout the season? But a lot can clearly change between now and MLK Day. We saw that firsthand. Yeah, I know they started to turn it around a little bit in December that year, but record-wise, it didn't happen until like early January, yeah. mid-January. So I'm going to text Claves and say, what were you thinking, <laughs> <laughs> you know, January 15th in 2019? That's right. And, you know, at that point in late December, we were having these conversations of this team is done. Why haven't they been able to live up to expectations with the talent on this team? They should be much better. And Sometimes things take a while to build, and sometimes things take a while to unravel as well. All right, let's get to another text here from the 314. I think if the 
Ooh, sorry. Let me click on this one again. I think if the top four on the defensive side stay healthy, they can keep playing north and fast, and other teams will have a hard time playing against them. And once 90 comes back, the scoring will continue like it was before he went on COVID protocol. So for me, the Blues are real, and they'll be a top team in the West. Yeah, and touching on that defensive comment there, you know, I think the key here is Marco Scandella. If he can, you know, be consistent, which, uh, you know, you believe he can, um, then I think they're in better shape. You know you're going to get it from Colton Pareko, from Justin Falk. It looks like Tori Krug is settling in. We mentioned that earlier. But Scandella, if he can handle top pair minutes and, and keep pace with Pareko, which he's done for the most part so far, then you look at you know a question mark that you had going into the season, and the answer is that it looks like he's capable. So you know I do agree that uh, the Blues can be a more legitimate contender if that top four is solidified, and, and so far it has been. And, and not just top four, but as Chris Kerber said yesterday, you know, they're getting some decent play from that third pair, too. For sure. That's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's NFL trade deadline day. Some news coming out of the National Football League. We'll talk about it next. You're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman here on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. JR, today is NFL trade deadline day. Things wrap up at 3 p.m. Central Time. Diana Rossini with this note that the Pittsburgh Steelers have traded Melvin Ingram to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm sure we'll be getting a lot of news and notes throughout the day. But I wonder if anything's going to be as big as the news that we got yesterday about Von Miller going to the Rams. The Broncos agreed to trade Von Miller, eight-time pro bowler by the way to the Rams the Rams are sending a second round pick and a third round pick in the 2022 NFL draft to the Broncos in exchange for Miller and the Broncos are going to pay 9 million of his remaining 9.7 million base salary for the nine games left in the regular season so the Rams clearly pushing in all of the chips getting rid of draft capital saying we need to win right now yeah really uh, another upgrade to that defense after uh, Jalen Ramsey it's going to help Aaron Donald he's been getting double and triple teamed a lot this year and uh, it's, it's a jolt to the team. When you get a player like Von Miller there at the deadline, it's going to be a big jolt. My question is, without doing you know a ton of homework on this, is he was going to be an unrestricted free agent. They're picking up a lot of salary to unload Von Miller and get rid of him for a pair of draft picks. Uh, you know, I don't know what the situation was in terms of the possibility of him coming back next year if they didn't have him sign. Dan Orlovsky talked about this yesterday. What went behind the Rams' move to go out and acquire Von Miller? I think it's not about getting to the playoffs. It's about getting through the playoffs Mm -hmm. you know I think this is a move with that kind of four or five game stretch in mind they're not going to ask Vaughn to come in and play 60 snaps a game over the next couple weeks he'll play 20 or 30 snaps and then when it gets to go time it's almost like baseball when you add another arm to your bullpen for your playoff run it's really kind of fortifying that unit you talked about Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd just imagine the Rams putting on their defensive line Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd on one side of the field together or on the line of scrimmage and Vaughn Miller the other side yeah, Von Miller coming from that 3-4 scheme um, from Vic Fangio. And I think if you're the Rams, you're thinking he might be able to fit right in here. It might be a seamless transition. He could take away some of the pressure from Aaron Donald and really fortify an already great defense with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And if you're Von Miller, even though you're 
obviously very connected with Denver. You've had a lot of success there. You're emotionally connected. You're joining a 7-1 Rams team that looks like a serious Super Bowl contender. Yeah, and the schemes are similar, so he's going to go in there and, and fit in right away. But to me, Michelle, it's kind of like the Dusty Baker situation. I like Von Miller. I don't like his new team, <laughs> so I don't know if I can root for him. No, we we dislike Von Miller now. I'm sorry, Von. I felt the same way about Matthew Stafford. He was a guy that I felt was very talented. He was buried in a terrible situation. He wasn't a guy that publicly complained about it, and he went out there and was a really tough player who who put up numbers despite not having team success, and I really wanted him to have a chance to win, and now I hate him. I just can't like him. I'm sorry. You're playing for the Rams. I can't cheer for you to have success. You understand, Matt. You know it's not personal. Oh, yeah. He gets it. He gets it. You're killing me, Smalls. Monday Night Football last night, the Kansas City Chiefs beating the New York Giants 20-17. to And a lot of people, Jay, are not paying attention to the actual broadcast. They were tuned into the Manning cast. Have you watched the Manning cast at all? I have. It's great. It's great. And, and I was telling you, Michelle, that uh, I'm around broadcasters a lot, you know, nationally and then locally here covering the Blues. And uh, they were saying five, six, seven years ago that this would be the future. We'd be listening to people, not necessarily Peyton Manning at that time because you didn't know what his future was going to be. Uh, but just talking about the game. And when he brings in these guests and Tom Brady and him and Eli and the camaraderie, it's great. And the guests have been outstanding. Obviously, when you have the star power of Peyton and Eli, you can go through your Rolodex and whether it's a Tom Brady or a Marshawn Lynch, get whoever you want to to join you on the Manning cast. Last night, they had John Stewart, Michael Strahan, Josh Allen, and Michael Irvin. Who is going to watch the game anymore? No one. Nobody. I've been watching the Manning cast. It's outstanding. My only criticism is that I don't watch the game at all um, because they're not giving you any play-by-play. Sometimes they'll be in a conversation and you'll hear Peyton go, Eli, Eli, you see they're, they're... doing this crossfit, you know, he'll try to draw attention to what they're watching on the screen, but then they quickly deviate back to the conversation. But it's moments like this one, JR, that we're going to hear that makes this so great. So last night, Eli wanted to draw attention to the fact that Peyton Manning was eating or rather inhaling some chicken and they brought back the video and they dissected it on the Manning cast. (laughs) Here you go. Oh, there it is. Showing (laughs) halftime highlights. Is anything off limits? Where is What's the HIPAA of TV? Jeez. Uh, oh. I mean, seriously, if you had a knife and fork, you had, did you, are you breathing? You just ate a whole piece of chicken nonstop. It's not fried chicken. No time. He was inhaling this this chicken with his bare hands during halftime. But that's what's great about this is in chemistry or excuse me, in radio and television, any sort of media, you really need to find chemistry with someone. And it's very hard to find that special combination. And when you have two brothers who are not only so smart, they have the resumes, they're obviously so successful, but they are very fun personalities who have fun with one another. It's incredible television. Yeah, and it it takes it to another level because it's Peyton and it's Eli and the star-studded cast they have, Michelle. But you know why this works? Because this is what people are doing when they're watching the games. They're cracking each other. I remember we were getting ready for a Blues game. I think it was in Dallas. We were in the media room. Uh, eating at a table and I don't know if this I'm sure it was Kelly Chase directed this at me or somebody else at the table but you walk back with this uh, plate that needs like support beams right because you put so much uh, food on there and Kelly Chase's line on there forget it was uh, hey buddy are you going to eat that or climb it oh. <laughs> so so I think that when you when you hear 
Peyton Manning and Eli, you know, cracking these same jokes that you and your buddies are on Sunday watching the game. That's that's why it works. So, yeah, I, uh, I was thinking to myself, now with this out, like if you were, uh, let's just say Steve Levy, you get the Monday Night Football job and, oh, my gosh, I'm excited. Thanks a lot. Oh, yeah, we're also going to have Peyton Manning on another <laughs> channel at the same time. No, okay, all right. <laughs> oh, oh, and he's going to have his brother Eli join him. <laughs> and, by the way, John Stewart, Michael Strahan, yeah. Tom Brady, Marshawn Lynch, Chris Long, Josh Allen, Michael Irvin, and that's just to start the season. Imagine some of the names at the. I can't wait at the end of the season to compile the list of names that they've had join them on the Manning cast. Because if you're a former player or someone like John Stewart, this is the hottest ticket in town. This is the the one show that you really want to get the call to do because it cements your celebrity status. Because they're not just getting anybody to come join them on the Manning cast. It's the best of the best. So I can't imagine anyone would be invited to go on that show and they would say no. Yeah, and I guess the novelty with everything wears off at some point, but to me, this has staying power. I think so, and I think a lot of other sports and networks will try to find a way to replicate this, just like with Inside the NBA. It's so successful because of the the star power that they have on set and the personality. And I think that the producers, shout out to Keith Robinson, St. Louis, and who's the producer on that show, they put those guys in incredible positions to be humanized. Like when you see Charles Barkley and Shaq making fun of themselves and being put in ridiculous situations, it's so endearing. And then obviously when they break down a game, they have you know, the respect factor of the audience and Peyton and Eli are the same way. Whatever they talk about with football, you know that you're learning something. They're telling you something that you wouldn't be privy to otherwise, but then that you're going to have Marshawn Lynch dropping F-bombs and Peyton (laughs) inhaling a full chicken. It's great. And I hate to say it, it's because we're also, as a reporter myself, we're we're used to the robotic answers post-game at the podium and this is different. That's why it's so awesome to hear. It really is. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, a little college basketball news I wanted to get into. So Illinois, which was ranked number 11 in the preseason, they're going to be without Big Ten Player of the Year Kofi Coburn for the first three games of the season. He was dealt an NCAA suspension because he sold, quote, institutionally issued apparel and memorabilia in June before it was permissible to do so under the NIL guidelines. And... Per the the stipulations of this, Kofi Coburn is going to repay the amount he gained from the apparel sales through a charitable donation. Now, it doesn't really affect Illinois that much as they open the season. He's going to miss the game versus Jackson State on November 9th and Arkansas State on November 12th. Now, the third game that he'll miss, Marquette, could be a little stickier for Illinois. But this is just so ridiculous to me, JR. You mean to tell me that he was selling apparel right before the NIL guidelines went into play? He's not only returning the money, but he's donating to a charity, and you still, as the NCAA, want to take the, the preseason Big Ten player of the year out of the mix for a a team that's ranked in the top 25. That's just so dumb. This is just one of those things that the NCAA wants to do to exert their power. It's just ridiculous to me. Yeah, and the biggest thing that I uh, see when I look at this story is how many guys, girls have gotten away with it for years probably, and now he's caught and he's going to try to do the right thing. Although Michelle, devil's advocate, maybe said, if I do get caught, I'll just donate it to charity. Maybe they'll (laughs) rescind the penalty. It's just ridiculous to me because now you have the NIL guidelines in play. This was right before all of that went down, there was a shift in the construct of college athletics and about athletes making money off of their name, image, and likeness. That has been put into play, but you still want to punish him because this happened in June. It's 
the NCAA is. Yeah, maybe they're, they're like, we're going to get one last guy. This is yeah. <laughs> one last. It's going to be a big fish, too. It's going to be Kofi Coburn. Anyway, and yes, I went to Illinois, but I'm just saying, I would think this is ridiculous if this happened to anybody. Yeah, I sense a little bias in this uh, whole thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe. All right, that's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to cross things over with Dan McLaughlin. Get you ready for the Danny Mac Show with BK. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford and Michelle Smallman here with you. We welcome in Dan McLaughlin. Get you set for the Danny Mac show with BK. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning. Can I get something out of the way right now? Yes, please do. Uh, Ronald Blum will be our guest <laughs> coming up talking about the CBA. He's an expert on a lot of the uh, the business side of baseball. So let's just get that out of the way so I don't forget. You planned Nailed the it. show? I did not plan the show. No, I did you not. You booked a guest. I do, I do book a lot right. of guests, but not this one. This was done by the great Tanner. Um, oh, that's great. And always listen to your show, Dan, but very Thank you. very interested to see what he has to say about the CBA, because now that the World Series is getting closer yeah. to being over, that's looming. Absolutely. And it's uh, ends the, the current agreement ends December 1st. There was a really interesting article, JR, and your colleagues uh, post at The Athletic. Um, I don't know if you read it, Michelle, but Evan Drellick uh, had a, a piece about just the work stoppage and what a difference between a strike and a lockout is and who has leverage, who doesn't, what uh, are players, what are owners looking for, what could it mean for baseball. So it's a really, I'd, I'd like to get him on the air if you don't mind booking that guest yeah, for you me. need some help? Yeah, I need to get Gosh, him I'm on. I'm so tired of getting your guests. I know, but yeah. it was really good piece. Yeah, no, we'll look it up. Hey, Dan, we're going to get to uh, what happened on the fight today in just a bit, but uh, World Series again tonight. The Braves close it out. Houston wins. I, I just don't have a good feeling one way or another. I know that's like taking the uh, the middle road here and not going out on a limb. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. If the Braves don't win tonight, I don't think they win the World Series. I really don't. I even know that they will have. Now, a lot of it will depend on how Dusty gets through the game and how many pitchers he has to use and which ones he has to use. I would say, though, that the Braves have the edge going into game six just because their pitching is a little bit more rested and lined up to have success. But um, at this time of year, man, anything can happen. Uh, and uh, so I I do feel, though, that if the, the Braves don't win tonight, winning on the road a game seven is awfully tough to do. Winning three in a row, which is what Houston would have to do, is really tough to do in baseball. So I don't have a good feeling one way or another, but I would say on paper, the Braves are lined up a little bit better because of their pitching. I I think that's what makes this so great is that none of us really have a feel one way or the other that you're going into a game where truly you feel like either team could win. And this is how baseball for me, Michelle, has changed so much. Not that I was growing up watching Bob Gibson, but if you said to me, Bob Gibson is going tonight um, I would say, boy, I like I like the Cardinals' chances. Mm-hmm. And if you said that Chris Carpenter, the modern-day Bob Gibson in my mind, is going, at least in postseason play, if he's going and is rested, boy, I like the Cardinals' chances. But the way that they use pitching now in terms of you just don't even see starters going five, six, certainly seven or eight innings, that it comes down to those having success or rest coming out of a bullpen. And the Atlanta Braves are a little bit more rested in in that regard going into game number six. But it's tough to win on the road. I was going to say, do you know what's tougher than winning game seven on the road? Tougher than winning three straight World Series games? 
I I'm I'm at a loss. Beating Michelle in the fight. <laughs> oh, Jeez. okay. That's, it's tougher. A win but, today. A uh, a jack today, Dan. All four correct. No kidding. Mm-hmm. You just rolled it right out. Yeah, I like it right. out of the park, right. but it gets even better. And we got some sound here. We had Don today, and Dan. Right, I listen Don. to the show every day. <laughs> I listen to you root for the listener. I do. I Except listen when I'm on the uh, fight, <laughs> and I true. have to do it. I listen to you root against Randy. But Always. After you hear this, I want to ask you: Would you have been rooting for Michelle? I didn't. I didn't hear the fight today, so. Well, we what had we Don on today, and this How is what you. Don said Sorry. before. <laughs> this is what Don said before the fight started. Uh, well, if I lose, that means I'm losing to a girl, and I have a lot of people listening, so I don't know. Ooh, mm-hmm. as a father of two young ladies, uh, good for you, Michelle, to Thank put you. it on Don and Don. <laughs> Uh, apparently is probably hearing it from his friends and family right now that all were listening that he lost to a girl. I don't even think he's hearing it because he lost to uh, a girl. I think he's hearing it because he got one correct and Ooh. embarrassed himself. So you won four to one. That's right. It wasn't just winning, That's but it was right. a beatdown. It was it, a jack. It was no contest. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, Thank I you. don't like that. Come on, Don. Yeah, so you wouldn't have been rooting for him. I would not have. No, I would have gone all Michelle on that one, no (laughs) doubt. I mean... You don't have girls. I got one, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. How old? How old? Uh, 12. That's right. We were just talking about that. But I have two girls, and they are... uh, One is, let's just say, slightly... Independent, I guess, is the best way. And uh, you want to bring it on, boys? Come on, let's go. You know, she's she gets fired up. So, and I'm all about it. Let's yeah. go. Beat them up. I don't care. Yeah, I was telling you, my 12 year old daughter Georgia, she wears the uh, girl power, power shirt. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, real quick, one. Uh, we we went to buy something for her one day at a sporting goods store. She wanted a mask for softball, mm-hmm. and it was like thirty dollars. And she said, "Dad, I got the money." And so she gets it out of her purse wallet and pays for it. Well, then we go to the hockey store, and I only had the intention of buying my son one thing. But you go to these hockey stores, it turns into $300 worth of stuff. And so as we're walking out, the 12-year-old girl with the girl power shirt on says, so really, Dad, 300 at the hockey store and I got to buy own, my own softball? Match? <laughs> so she's laying down the law there. Well, I say to my boys, I say, guys, you know, um, you're going to have to be, I always try to tell them, be, be very protective of your sisters, you know, take care of them, make sure, you know, if any, they're getting picked on or, you know, when, when you guys get older, you know, you never know what goes on with boys, just be protective mm-hmm. of your sisters. I mean, that's okay, right? As a dad to make sure, you know, be protective of your sisters. And the oldest one goes, think I need their help? Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> Basically in that voice that's deeper than my voice. So, uh, yeah, good for you, Michelle. That's awesome. Sounds Don't like take that. Thank you, Dan. And it sounds like your daughter might be protecting your sons. I, <laughs> uh, like... Well, I definitely know the oldest one would. And if I go up and hug my wife, my youngest one comes up and starts beating on me and says, get away from her, and just starts hitting me as hard as I can, as she can. So, yeah, they're very protective. Um, but good that. for you. Thank I love you. that. Thank awesome. you, Dan. Um, and we will be listening Don't to take you. that. I and didn't. you didn't. Don't you worry, Dan. I did not. Um, well, thank you so much. And we'll be listening to you and BK coming up next. And again, uh, Ronald Bloom. Ronald Bloom. Talking CBA. Yes. Talking. Da- can we one more thing, Dan? Ron uh, Blum, uh, I'm sorry. As we go here, can you announce the end of a game here, a four to one victory for Michelle over Don? Let's well, how, w- how would I do that? Well, just at the end of a ballet sports game here. Uh, All rights reserved, uh, copyrighted, blah, 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 blah. We'll see you tomorrow on the fight. That'll be 8.30. Michelle will be trying to uh, make sure and defend her championship for JR, Emily, and Michelle. A big, big win today. Four to one on 101 ESPN. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.